The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on this is Sunday. About the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Guns up, giddy up. Good morning, everybody. It's Friday, the Friday Breakdown, the flagship show on the Photoshop channel, the channel that brings you five different shows a week, all for first responders and those who support first responders, giving you a little bit of something, I don't know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Today's show, though, is brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack and uh, Manscaped. That is a funny sponsor today, Manscaped, being that uh, this coming weekend is going to be Mother's Day, Mommy's Day. Uh I don't know. I always uh, per- perfect timing for Manscaped. Uh, I Manscaped this morning. That's why my face is super smooth. Um, and it looks like Drew might have hit that Manscaped beard trimmer because his beard's looking really great. Uh, I you. am joined today by by my co-host, uh, the easy, breezy, beautiful, Drew Breezy. And we have a special guest today to help us break down this uh, intense Jordan Neely case. Um, he is a, an attorney. Is that correct? He uh, says that with a question mark. Sure. <laughs> uh, I never know. Do I call you a lawyer? Do I call you an attorney? Do I call you? I still have the bar card, so I'd go attorney. Okay. So we, we got past attorney. the district attorney. Just because some of this stuff is going to be a little <laughs> bit out of my realm. Uh, guys, one, this is the last day that I will be in this studio. We are building our own studio that we failed to stop own, um, which has three beautiful sets going up. They're hanging the drywall today, and we hope to be moved in on Sunday. So uh, look forward to that. And that's all because of you guys. That's all because of our paid YouTube members, our paid Patreon members. We couldn't thank you guys enough for keeping this whole thing afloat. Also, this week, we were provided with some new cameras and some new microphones um, for the group. So again, guys, thanks for for all your support. If you would like to support the show, you don't have to join our paid YouTube or our paid Patreon where we give tons of extra amazing bonus content. You can simply share us with a friend or go and leave us a five-star rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, you could give us a like and a subscribe on YouTube. That doesn't cost you any money either. Uh, before we jump into this, uh, under pay producer, do we have any reviews this week? Always appreciate those reviews. I'll let you read that, Drew Breezy. I'll let you. I'll allow it. I appreciate that, um, and I'm going to read it uh, <clears throat> by doing this. Uh, this is called. This is from Ditch Doc 08. It was uh, back on May 9th. It says, "Guns up!" Exclamation point. The soothing voice of Transy and the East Drew Breezy. It says East Drew Breezy make it so easy to get the uh, blood flowing after a double dose of Blue Chew and some pound town time on a ghost bed. I love the breakdowns and how detailed they go into cases. They come with the facts and their guests are uh, top notch unless they have the sleazy X, uh, X, XFL private investigator on the show. Five stars. Highly recommend. I would just throw the uh, the. Um, admonishment in here they haven't seen today's guests so we'll see what happens uh right the xxfl guest uh the pi probably one of my favorite episodes but also the hardest episode that we've ever done that was with the dylan rounds case that was a private investigator for that which was a total clown show um but i'm into that that's why i social media that's why i tune into bizarre podcasts that i tune into because i like the crazy And that guy brought all the crazy that I wanted. And and it seems like you do too. Although all the reviews from that particular episode were scathing and nobody had anything good to say, that show brought us up by like 400%. 
So it's yeah, like you do like it. Like you hate Jerry Springer, but you also love him a little bit or else you wouldn't watch it. You know what I mean? Hey, Drew, I That's just wanted to say that I really appreciated your appearance in a Full Metal Jacket. For all of our podcast listeners, um, they, they uh, have put a picture up of Full Metal Jacket and uh, Drew Breezy, and they look together. What's that guy's name? Private uh, Pile. Private Pile. Uh, do, do look a little Private Pile-ish. But, oh god, <laughs> maybe a little sling bladeish this morning. Yeah, a little a little Shawshank Redemption with the white T-shirt on. Listen, I just running I, for I, Senate. No, I'm not running for Senate yet. I'm a no, uh, I'm into Santeria though. Uh, listen, uh, I just want to point out I'm not giving up on my career in law enforcement. I pointed, I figured something out. I'm, I'm becoming quite a Swifty in this house uh, now that I have a uh, stepdaughter to teach me how to be hip. And what good music is. I did notice this morning, though, that Taylor Swift actually uh, reps MS-13. She, oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't realize oh, that wow. she was part of MS-13. But she, there's is. a big drinking bros debate. Drinking bros used to be the network that we were attached to before we went so loud. But there's a big debate in the drinking bros network: is is Taylor Swift hot or not? I say Tay Tay is cute. Yeah, I I, I'm cute. I'll go hot. I'm not. I don't think it's appropriate for me to say it, but I, I, I'll say she's hot. I, I and you know what? You know what threw me over the edge. You know what convinced me is Lasro Lopez. Okay. You know she's tall. She's got the as he says the cheekbones are there, the jawline's there. That's that's how Lasro Lopez described I'm it. Is he Anthony kind of guy? To be honest with yeah, you, I, I, I'm. She's put packed on a few. Inches. I like the bad girls. The uh, the new pictures of Casey Anthony that came out of her trip to Disney World. Hide your kids, hide your wife. Um, she let all was up. Today we are breaking down the Jordan Neely Daniel Penny case. Uh, it's not really so much police related, but it really does come full circle with police because it's an issue that the police have to deal with, and now it's kind of spawned over into the civilian side. Is it getting out of control? Are we too soft on mental health? It's going to be a crazy episode uh, this week. Um, and, uh, you know, st strap in because I feel like this one is one of those ones that's very emotional driven. And I think there's a lot of opinions. And I just I want to on a side note, say that you're going to have to listen to this with an open mind. I know you might already have preconceived notions one way or the other about Jordan Neely or about Daniel Penny, depending on what side of the political spectrum. If we could take our political hats off for a little bit, I probably will use the word leftist a little bit. And, and I don't want to offend our, our leftist liberal uh, listeners, and we do have quite a bit, um, and you guys do respect the show, uh, and I like that, and I, and I enjoy that. So when I'm when I say leftist today, I'm referring to leftist policies in New York, and not so much like let's just take Donald Trump out of the picture. He has nothing to do with this case. It's it, so when I'm using right and left, please don't look at it. It's the Donald Trump, Joe Biden, left first, right type thing. I just meant policy wise. I'm going to use the word leftist because I do think that some of the policies that have been implemented in New York has gotten us to where we are today. And I'll explain that later. I'll go into detail with it. But first of all, as I always, we always try to give you the totality of the case, paint the whole picture. Mainstream media does not like to paint the whole picture. They like to give you your opinion and not allow you to form it yourself. So again, uh, separate yourself uh, politically for just a moment as I go into the backgrounds of both of these guys. Now picture, if you will, a young teenager, uh, Rob and Drew. Listen, young teenagers, they uh, that's a pivotal time in a kid's, kid's life, is it not, right? You guys yeah, have raised teenagers. Um, yep. Things can flip on a dime. There's a lot of emotions. Puberty is a real thing, right? Uh, I, I, 
would like to add, uh, I have experience being a teen. I was a teenager once. Uh, sure. For a little while. Yeah. And it is tough, man. There's a lot of things that you're learning, a lot of things that you're trying to figure out in life. And I, I can imagine that it's even harder uh, in 2023 because I feel like they have a lot more on their plate than we did as a kid. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, you know, these are tough times. This guy is 30 years old. So he was, um, you know, a little bit younger than us. So uh, it's not that he came up in so far this generation, but I'm sure that teenage life wasn't easy, especially growing up near the Bronx, uh, especially when your mother was murdered by her boyfriend, which you did not really get along with to begin with. That's got to be terrible. Now, I've always preached on our last call episodes that um, divorced parents and things have to be very careful of who they date and who they bring around their children because those children get attached to them, whether you're attached to them or not. So if you're dating somebody for a year and you bring them into that child's life, that that person may or may not become uh, someone that that person looks up to or admires. And then when the breakup happens, that child is again uh, forced to choose. And that can be very difficult. Um, but it comes even more difficult when the man that your mother is dating murders your mother and puts her in a suitcase and drops her off on the side of, I believe it was, was it like the Brooklyn bridge or something like that on the on Brooklyn overpass. Um, doesn't really matter where he dumped the suitcase. It's a suitcase with your mother's body in it at a young teenage life. The father of Mr. Neely, now this was Jordan Neely's mom. And I really want you to empathize with that because I think if somebody would have murdered my mother at an early age, me and my dad didn't quite get along because we have the same attitude and we're both stubborn. And so we could never really get along for more than about three hours till we start fighting with each other. Uh, love each other, but we're going to fight with each other a lot. And if it wasn't for my mother to step in, I don't know if I would have ever had a relationship with my father um, because my mom was always a great shoulder to cry on. But now Mr. Neely didn't get that opportunity because his mother was fucking dead in a suitcase. And so he was forced to try to get along with his father. That wasn't going to happen. That wasn't working out. And so Mr. Neely went to go live with his grandparents. Uh, we all know that grand, there, there's something about a real mom and a real dad. Uh, there's something about that that uh, allows you to have comfort at night, to have an ease at night, to feel a love that that maybe grandparents can't really deliver. You know, I agree. Uh, and uh, but it, even if it's not a real mom and a real dad, I mean, you know, your, your grandparents can smother you with love, and that's that's great, and you can feel. But th there's always going to be the void of you know whether you left on bad terms on your own to go live with your grandparents or your mother was taken from you like you'll right. never get her back because some dude murdered her right. uh, i i think that you're gonna you, there's the void that that opens up is is uh it leaves you vulnerable for a lot of stuff Right, that unchecked childhood angst that that you're not my real mom, you're not my real dad. And we all know the family dynamic of a grandmother and a grandfather. That is somebody who coddles you. That is somebody who spoils you. That's the typical, the stereotypical job of a grandparent, right? Like, that's what we're all excited. Like, I'm excited to be a grandfather so that I can spoil my grandkids and make my kids suffer through the, the sugar attacks and the sugar rushes that I had to deal with my whole life growing up. But that is the stereotypical dynamic of a, of a grandparent, not a disciplinarian um, in their teenage hardest years, right? So I imagine it was very difficult for the grandparents to try to raise a, a, a child who was you know, and not raised in the greatest of place. We're talking about the Bronx, New York here. We're talking about like lower Manhattans and I'm not super familiar with New York city, but I've seen enough movies to know that, uh, 
that there's a lot of temptation, <laughs> right? There's a lot of ways that you can be, there's a lot of directions you can be pulled as a teenager and which way to go in life. It's not like growing up in the rural America, you know, where you can't really just leave the farm and go join a gang. You know, you'd have to really try hard to get pulled in the wrong direction where I grew up. Um, you'd have to drive an hour and a half to go get an ounce of yeah. weed. There, there, <laughs> there aren't many uh, surf teams in uh, Bronx that I know of. It's funny that you say that because they, it seems like surfing, there is a surf culture in New York, and we are going to talk about that. Um, mm. After after we get done with Mr. Neely here, but Mr. Neely uh, fled from his grandparents, dropped out of high school, and uh, went wayward, as they say. And got him mixed up into some drugs, obviously, um, and and that, that that I believe that those drugs kind of stemmed into a schizophrenic state. And I and I think my, I had an aunt um, who lived with us who was extremely schizophrenic and had to live in a mental institute um, per the state of Florida. They said she was not deemed to be out, and so she lived out her life until she died in a penitentiary, in a uh, in a I don't know, whatever you want to call it, an institution, crazy house, whatever yeah. it is. Um, and it was sad, you know. We visited her and we talked to her, but uh, it was evident that she could not be out because uh, one night they found her standing over my bed while I was asleep. Now I was asleep, and I don't remember this, but uh, my parents tell the story that. Uh, they heard something. They knew somebody was up. And so they walked out and she was standing over my bed holding a knife. And my dad had to cal calmly talk her back into her bedroom in like this weird schizophrenic state. So uh, if mental illness unchecked uh, or checked, even my parents try to check it, sometimes you can't fix it, right? Like sometimes some people just cannot be fixed. My aunt was one of those people that didn't know, didn't matter how much my mother loved her sister, that love was not going to fix this crazy mental illness that she suffered from. And, and, uh, and unfortunately, Mr. Neely, I think the drugs, uh, I think the post-traumatic stress syndrome, the trauma of, of having your mother murdered and stuffed into a suitcase, I can't express that enough, just took its toll on this young man. Uh, he didn't have much guidance at all. He ran with a bad crowd, although his aunt loved him and his, his grandparents loved him. Sometimes love is just not enough. And this kid went down a path that led him to when he was 30 years old, um, having over 44 arrests and over 43 trips to mental health institutions or professionals or doctors. Um, and so, you know, if you add that together, that's close to 90 uh, run-ins with the law in about a 12-year span. And, and that's a lot. That's a lot for anyone to bear. And so I, as we tell this story now, we're going to go over to Daniel Penny really quick before I turn it all over. Daniel Penny didn't know any of this. Daniel Penny doesn't know that, uh, that Mr. Neely's mother was murdered. He didn't know that Mr. Neely suffered from extreme schizophrenia. Um, he didn't know these things. And maybe if he did know these things, he would have acted different, but maybe not because Mr. Neely's actions were, were combative this on this particular day. He said some things that, that would trigger it, but let's talk about, Daniel Penny, because in the same token that Penny didn't know Neely, Neely didn't know Penny. Neely right. did not know that Penny was a trained Marine. Not only was he a trained Marine, but this dude was an infantryman, an 0311, an 0311. And if anybody wants to know the stereotypical brainwashed Marine, that's what an 0311 is. An 0311 Marine is the one that you want to keep on the island. That's the one that like goes out and pees on the dead. 
you know what I mean? The savage Marine that you read about in the papers that gets kicked out of Afghanistan for war atrocities. But those are also the ones that fight on the front lines of America that keep us safe. They're like the ones that are borderline crazy and they just need to fit in in life. And that's where they go, baby. That's where they go. That's all the 11s. That's why I like my Marines. I was an army guy because I wasn't that fucking crazy. All right. But 0311 infantry dudes, those are the guys, man. Those are the ones that when uh, China comes knocking at the door, they're the ones that are going to have the K bar in their knife, or the K bar knife in their teeth. And they're, you know, dual wielding 240 Bravos in each arm, laying waste and carnage. Um, and that's who Jordan Neely chose to threaten that day. He didn't know that. But also, he didn't know that Jordan Neely was a surfer who was confused. He was a deployed Marine. But he was fighting his own mental battles of what he wanted to do. He dropped out of college and went and walked around Honduras. He went on a surfing journey, a surfing odyssey. The kid's got like tribalish kind of like very like Hawaiian-esque tattoos all up and down his chest. He's got some curly hair. He's got that surfer Kelly Slater in Baywatch, early Baywatch body figure. Very skinny, um, wore the, the shorty shorts, has a little nose ring in. Um, this dude is surf hippie. This is that this is that Marine that was just trying to find his way in life, realize he didn't want to be a ruthless killer. Um, but also hadn't he, he, you know, when you go into something like that and you don't feel like you fit in and you come back to civilian life, you also don't fit in with civilian life either because you'll never get rid of that 0311 Marine Corps stereotype that you earned by becoming a, a rifleman. In the Marine Corps, your friends will never look at you the same. And although you didn't really fit in as a career Marine and you try to get out, you're not going to fit in in civilian life either. And so this guy was facing this kind of like, where do I go? How do I find myself? And he goes and he backpacks around Europe. He has a really great little tweet that he puts out um, uh, where he talks about, uh, you know, going up. But let me give you just some quick facts about uh, Mr. Mr. Penny. Um, he, he lived in Suffolk County in Long Island. He was a surfing enthusiast. He visited trails across Honduras and many other parts of the U.S., including Connecticut, Hawaii, Maine, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, North Carolina, Rhode Island, Vermont. Uh, he worked in a burger restaurant and then a sales associate as a surf shop. Uh, he, was a, he was six years younger than the uh, Michael Jackson impersonator uh, murdered mother victim Jordan Neely. In 2015, he was given the most valuable player award as a lacrosse player. That's got to suck too, right? Like you're the most valuable athlete in a sport that nobody gives a fuck about. That sucks. Um, in 2017, he graduated high school, um, joined the Marine Corps, deployed um, to the Mediterranean with the 22nd Marine Expeditionary Force. Um, you know, uh, 24-year-old uh, bartender at the time of this incident. So, you know, the guy didn't wake up that day and say, I want to murder somebody. But at the same time, maybe with the facts that we know that Jordan Neely woke up that day and said, I don't want to fucking be here anymore. And we're going to go into the words, some of the last words spoken by Mr. Neely. But I really believe uh, in, the, in the totality of this case that uh, there's two facts that that ring prominent with myself is that Daniel Penny didn't wake up to murder somebody. And Jordan Neely woke up that day because he was sad. His heart was broken. He was defeated. He didn't want to be here anymore. And I really feel, and according to Mr. Neely's words that he really did not give a fuck. Mr. Neely did not give a fuck. He wanted food and he wanted drink and he wanted it now. And I don't give a fuck was his words. And I really believe he meant that. And unfortunately, he said that to the words of Marine 
whose whole life has been to protect and to serve others and a service of others. And those two men met in both of their inner conflicts and it resulted in, in what happened that day. And now we have media outlets from both the right and the left um, that refer to Mr. Neely as a career criminal. And they referred to Mr. Penny as a Marine. They never uh, once referred to any of these guys um, by who they really, really were. Uh, uh, Eric, I'll play the clip for you in a minute, but they refer to Daniel Penny. Th this is where I take exception. They refer to, to Daniel Penny as the white Marine. Okay. Yeah. Because in Marines, we see in colors, just like the Army, man. That's nobody's what I'm black, saying. Like, nobody's white. Everybody's fucking green. You're all pieces of shit. They're Marines. Um, like, just, you're Marines, dude. Yeah. You're not a white Marine. You're not a black Marine. You're not an Asian Marine. You're a fucking Marine. Yeah. But anyway. anyway, and But the media sees you as a white Marine because there was a black male that was killed. Anyway. Right. No, no. Tactical dude says a lot of Marines are not white. I know the tactical dude was a Marine at one time. Um, I don't yes. think there are any white Marines. All Marines. No, they're all just Marines. Are green. <laughs> well, hold on a second. I, one of my favorite Marines is right here. Yeah, there he is. There he is. Old private pile. Easy breezy, Drew breezy. Now, let's go ahead and get into the facts of the case, Drew. I know that you've studied this case a lot. What happened that day? on the train between Mr. Neely and Mr. Penny that has kind of sparked this like public outrage um, that again, I'm not exactly sure what we're outraged about here. This is sad for everyone. This is sad for, for Mr. Neely and Mr. Penny. I don't understand why we all have to be assholes on, on every side of this. Nobody wants to look at this with any sort of empathy and nobody really wants to come up with, and this is what I've always said on this show that nobody really wants to come up with a solution. We just want to make everybody on both sides angry, but I think there are a lot of solutions with this case. There are a lot yeah. of ways that this could not happen. There's a lot of ways to make this not happen. Um, one, I, I, I truly believe in my heart um, is that we we're too soft on mental illness. Uh, I think that Mr. Neely, his mental illness was celebrated um, and was paraded as, as, as political, um, I would like to say satire, like as a political joke, because that's what, that's what the mental health system is. It's this huge political go joke. Um, if you've ever taken somebody in for this crisis intervention, you'll notice that the employees are pathetic. Um, very rarely do I meet somebody that works over at the crisis intervention that has an ounce of empathy in them. They're annoyed. They're annoyed with the cops who bring in the homeless folks or the crazy folks that, that they're supposed to take. They, uh, they have an attitude from the minute they sit down in the chair. Sometimes when they're in a good mood, they'll be nice and kind, but that's only if they are in a good mood. You catch them the next night when they're in a bad mood and they treat those people like shit and they escalate the situation almost constantly. I could give you a thousand instances, at least a thousand instances where I feel like crisis intervention, places like Holly Hill or Wake Crisis here in Raleigh, where they have escalated or caused people to be even more crazy because of their, their almost DMV-like demeanor. And so the crisis intervention to me is, is a complete joke and, and a farce. And it's a check the block. It's a check the block insurance thing for the, for the, uh, for the city that says, yep, we check the block. We send them here. The people who are trained, the people who know what they're doing, prescribe the right medicine. And we kicked them out the door. I don't know. 
if you if, if a crisis intervention has ever literally helped you and they followed through and it wasn't some outside source like a police officer or a youth pastor, but like if literally if the crisis, go ahead and reach out to us on social media and give us that story. I'd love to hear it because I haven't seen it. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, I, I think that they're up against. I, I see things a little bit differently there. I mean, I, I do see what you see. There are there are some callousness, and there are some. Um, Imagine problems. if we acted like that, Drew. Imagine if the cops no, had bad days and we treated people the way that these crisis intervention hospitals treat the, the uh, their, is, their people. The difference is we're publicly funded and they're privately funded, so they can get away with it, and we can't. The, the, so what I'm what I'm about to say is the. You have to take into account that the system is overwhelmed, therefore the workers are overwhelmed, and it's probably driving the good people out, which sounds familiar to you because that's what's happening in law enforcement. The system is now overwhelmed because we've gone soft on mental health, we've gone soft on crime, and all the good people are like, I, I am not going to subject myself to this. I'm out. And we, we punched out of here, and we opened distilleries, and we started social media uh, blogging and, and whatnot. Um, so, you know, the, the bigger issue is, you know, did the mental health system fail both of these guys? I mean, like, I, I think that, um, you know, it's kind of music to my ears for you to talk about Jordan Neely, who's probably lived a life of unresolved trauma from his mom. I, I don't know. <sighs> Right. You know, I just I, I don't know if he's been treated for it or seen for it or anything. I mean, it's it's been reported that he'd su he'd suffered from PTSD, but that, I mean, how could you not? Like, how could you not? If your mother was murdered right. and shoved in a suitcase, there's no doubt in my mind that any teenager from any walk of life wouldn't be completely traumatized. And and me personally, Drew, I'm the kind of guy that probably would. You know, I don't think we pay enough respect to the movie Star Wars. I think that whole like choosing the light side and choosing the dark side is a real thing. Um, and I think it's a lot easier to choose the dark side. I think if my mother were to have to, to left me early on in life, maybe cancer or murder or anything like that, I probably would have taken the easy way out and chosen you're the gonna, dark side. You, you're going to question God. I mean, you're, you're going to question all the good things in life. Like, what, what's the meaning of a good thing in life if the best thing you had in life is is taken from you? I get it. So so he's dealing with unresolved trauma. You talk about, you know, the Marine who who – you know, I don't, I'm not saying anything bad about Marines, but they're trained a certain way and they're they're taught to detach from certain things. And, you know, they are willing to sacrifice everything to protect. And, you know, that's kind of what was demonstrated here, to be honest. But I mean, like he he also roamed, you know, roamed the planets or roamed the jungles or whatever to try to find himself. So maybe he's dealing with his own unresolved trauma. So in in one sense, you can't say the mental health system failed the guy that was killed, but it, it, it served very well the Marine, the white Marine that, that killed him, because that's not true either. So maybe they're both dealing with some type of unresolved trauma. Maybe this is the blessing, you know, God, I, I'm sorry that the guy lost his life, but this is what calls attention to the, to the broken mental health system. I don't think this is a criminal matter. I think, mm -hmm. I, I think even, even Jordan Neely acting the way he was acting is is not is borderline on a more of a mental health matter than a criminal matter but the thing is eric uh, and, and rob if you're sitting on a subway seat and he piles in next to you and he's you know weary from the road he probably hasn't showered in a few days and he's angry and you don't want to offend him 
and you're scared to death to offend him because one, he's homeless and two, he's a black male in society. So you don't want to be canceled and you don't want to be viewed as somebody who isn't giving or isn't caring. So we've gone way off the, the charts to, to make sure that we have to treat black people differently as opposed to just treating them like human beings or for the content of their character. That's the way media has set all this up. So now I liken that to what if you've got a a King Cobra that coils up next to you? Are you going to be afraid The the Cobra might not hurt you? The Cobra just probably wants to sit there. Actually, the Cobra just wants to eat, which is what Jordan wanted. He really wanted food. And he didn't have any money, and he was pissed, and he and he slammed his jacket down in a violent manner. So if this cobra is sitting in the chair next to you, are you going to move away and risk offending the cobra? Or is somebody going to act out, as in the Marine that's trained to act out against cobras, we'll say, and try to grab the thing before it strikes at anybody else? Um Or are, are you just going to sit there petrified and pray that it doesn't do anything to you? And remember the news stories that you've seen over the past two years where people have been pushed off the platforms people oh, that been... jordan neely did that no, jordan well, neely was arrested for trying to push a female onto an incoming subway yeah um, he in, in an active warrant for his arrest for for assaulting somebody i'm not trying to vilify 30 year old vagrant woman. guy but i mean uh, uh, i'm sorry a 67 year old woman yes he was elder, a 30 year old yeah. vagrant he uh broke her orbital lo- lobe uh, broke her nose, um, smashed her face onto the ground. He was, uh, he was, uh, he pled guilty. He played, he pleaded guilty to the felony assault. This all happened in February 9th in exchange for a 15 month alternative to incarceration program. Now this is after like his 40, this is like his 42nd arrest. He was yeah. one of the top 50, uh, violent offenders of the subway, according to NYPD. Uh, in Manhattan, uh, the office that gave him um, this 15-month alternative to incarceration if he went to a treatment facility and abstained from drugs. Uh, he didn't last more than 20 days, and he skipped out on that, and he stopped the compliance of all of it. He didn't show up to any of his court dates after that. Um, obviously, he left the facility, and he had a warrant out for his arrest, and, um, and that was it. So, you know, he breaks this woman's face. After he'd already been arrested prior to trying to push a woman out on the tracks, I don't. Th- this is where I think the mental health system has failed because out of forty-three times yeah. that he was sent to a crisis, you know, th- the crisis team they, they they have this like crisis team uh, in New York, um, and they had dealt with him forty-three separate times, but he'd have been arrested like forty-four times. Um, so out of the forty-four times he's been to jail, and out of the forty-three times he's been wrapped up by the mental health crisis team. No, that's 80, 90 something times. And nobody's ever been able to get this guy any kind of help. Why was he back in the subways? If he's been arrested, if he's one of the most top 50 uh, dangerous people for the subways, according to NYPD and was on their top 50 list, why is this dude still allowed? It's like, you're just like, let's keep it going until he either murders somebody or he gets killed by somebody. This is exactly what I'm saying. I mean, this is, this is the total, adult part of this conversation when you're saying you know somewhere in the 90 you you can't say that all 90 well i I don't know this to be factual i'm guessing like i'm I'm working on a percentage maybe but he, he didn't commit 90 crimes that mental health was behind maybe 20 of them even and again we got new york state that's kind of dealing with well 
we're a little bit hands off. We don't want to commit anybody that doesn't deserve to be committed. And we definitely don't want to charge them with any crime. And it's just the system is now built so much that we're so afraid of offending the Cobra that the, and the Cobra's unpredictability is exactly what's getting the Cobra in trouble. So at some point, somebody's going to have to st stop and say, hold on a second here. Everyone just let's approach this with a rational thought. When you talked earlier about left and right, yeah, there, there's a poignant point in Van Jones's book, which I listened to when I was on patrol way back when I, over the midnight shift. It, it doesn't matter what which side you sit on, left or right. We need each other because the left is fueled by emotion and compassion, and the right is fueled by what we'll call common sense or fiscal responsibility. So we can't just say, no, we're going to cut mental health programs. That's not a governmental responsibility. We're going to cut, you know, this and this and be fiscally responsible. And the left on the other side is saying, uh, no, you can't do that because it's an inhumane way to treat a Jordan Neely or whatever. But at, at the same time, the left is saying, well, we can't keep this guy incarcerated and we can't keep him in a mental health institution because that would offend him. And so there are, you know, the solutions just end at an impasse where people are like, well, blah, 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 Donald Trump. Well, blah, 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 Joe Biden. And then everybody just goes about their business. And Jordan Neely, you know, throws his jacket down and Daniel Penny grabs him by the back of the by the neck and chokes him out. That, that's where we're at. I did a, a podcast back when I worked for Drinking Bros and it was a Dallas Cowboys uh, linebacker and and his. I think it was his mother was murdered as well. It might've been his father was murdered. It was his, you know, his mother was murdered and then his grandfather was murdered. Anyway, he was uh, two, two murders, but ended up becoming, um, you know, a th he graduated highest in his class out of high school um, and, and married his high school sweetheart at like 18, had his fourth kid by the time he graduated uh, from ECU college. And then he went on to be a, uh, MVP linebacker and has a Super Bowl ring for the Dallas Cowboys. And now his son, Zay Jones, and um, his daughters are Olympians. And anyway, the guy's had an incredible life. And then when I say when he, you know, there, there, there are choices that you can make when your mother gets murdered or your mother dies. Uh, and, and it's unfortunate that in this particular case, Jordan Neely went to the dark side. Like I told you, I think I would have gone to the dark side. It's easier to go there. It's easier to go there. It's easier to check out and you can find more attention in the dark side, you know, you, you find more, it's, it's harder to try to make good grades and get, keep getting beat down. It's hard to try to do the right thing and get beat down all the time. It's a lot easier to just be the guy that beats down. So I'm not saying that I'm any better than Jordan Neely, but it's not my fault. It's not Daniel Penny's fault. It's not America's fault that Jordan Neely chose that path. He chose the path to give up on life. He chose the path warranted or not. He chose that path and he chose the path of destruction. And, and the fact that this guy well into his uh, late twenties beats in a 65 year old woman inside of the thing, breaking her nose in orbital. I could never imagine I was a cop and I fought many of women. Never once did I break a girl's nose or an orbital bone in their face. And I've had some brutal fights with women, but I was able to, to withstand them. So it's not our fault as a society that Jordan Neely made those decisions and he should go to jail for those decisions. Listen, he chose, it was his he had he had a choice and he chose all the wrong things and that sucks and and maybe had he had a mentor or maybe he had somebody one person that checked his mental health that told him he was fucking up that that chased after him i don't know i don't know but that didn't happen 
and he lived a life of crime, of violent crime. He was a violent felon. And now we find him on the on the bus. And I want to get into the actual case now. Um, I want to get down into the case if you're ready for that. I'm just uh, I'm just curious. One thing. Rob Herking is our resident attorney. He's sitting to my um, I don't know, left, maybe right. But at any rate, he's on one side of me. And uh, he's the fellow that looks like he's wearing the uh, glasses and mustache. And he's um, I, he's an attorney. He's on the One More and I'm Out of Here podcast, which is uh, kind of like a little brother podcast of ours. I don't mean to say little brother to belittle them. It's just, uh, we, you know, we, we share a lot of commonalities. But, Rob, in your experience as an attorney, do you see a fine line or do you see the courts um, at least recognizing that there's criminal liability and then there's a mental health issue and maybe maybe we're addressing the wrong thing at the wrong time Are, do you have any experience with that or breezy i i can tell you first off the courts have been struggling for a while with the mental health issue and when they sh shut down at least here in ohio a bunch of mental health hospitals because of some of the treatment of the patients at the, that point in time uh, it created a problem. They opened up the doors. It's kind of like what we're experiencing. I don't want to get political, but we're, what we're experiencing with the southern border, Title 42. Right. It, they didn't want to cause them to be inpatients. And here's the biggest problem. And I want to touch on a couple of things that, that Tansy said. One, I, I understand grandparents stepping into the role of raising kids, grandkids. However, I think it misses a, a generational stepping stone. It's kind of a bridge or a link into what that child is going to deal with i mean if you go to your grandparents house but if you have grandparents still if not i don't but they have no freaking idea how to use an ipad you know putting on a yeah. tv they're used to the turn thing parents kind of <laughs> help bridge that gap and this kid i mean unfortunately when his mom was killed by by dad or stepdad or whoever he went with grandparents who did not help him bridge that gap to a different generation his generation uh, i think that's where the problem is now as far as the mental health issue a couple of things you said I see in courts all the time that it's clear, I would say probably 60% of the defendants I deal with have mental health issues somewhere or another. And I think, hell, I think a lot of people have mental health issues. Some talk about it freely, some don't, some are undiagnosed, some don't care. And a lot of the ones that don't care turn to street drugs. And those street drugs only exacerbate the issue, particularly here in Ohio, uh, they've cracked down pseudoephedrine. So what's filling the void? Crystal meth from uh, the Southern border. And that crystal meth, I had a client that was spent six months in a lockdown treatment program because he was buying aluminum foil baseball caps to keep people from reading his thoughts. And he spent $250 on his damn hat. So that's the problem. The problem is also that the mental health people, the people that do have mental health issues don't know they have mental health issues. You can get them into a treatment program regulated with medication because they don't have the transportation to get back and forth for actual treatment and therapy. Uh, so what do they do? They prescribe drugs to these individuals. And once they are uh, medicated to the point where they can be released, guess what they're not going to do when they get out? They're not going to take their medication that's prescribed. They're going to fall back in. It, it's, a, it's a revolving uh, door. It's hoard. So street drugs are the answers for the vast majority, which leads to other crimes. And as you know, um, drugs are, tend to, to be involved in a lot of criminal cases, assaults, et cetera, whether it be alcohol or a, a pill or some other. Uh, and why don't we talk about other. that more often? Why don't the judges have, like, okay, so like if I'm, if I'm a mental health patient 
and I suffer from some kind of mental illness, but I choose to do meth and I go and I bite somebody's face off. Why is it a mental health crisis at that point? Because it's not the mental health issue. Like my aunt was schizophrenic, but she never like bit anybody's fucking face off. But I guarantee you put her on some fentanyl and she would have bit somebody's face off. So but, like it's it's the drugs. It's not the mental illness. So no, the, drugs the drugs is what their... fucking did it. Not your mental but, but illness. The... But the question is, Eric, I mean, that, that could be self-medication like Rob's describing, but do you think your aunt standing over you with the knife was a mental health-driven uh, issue, or do you think she had criminal intent when she was standing over you with the knife? I have no idea. I, like, well, that's, I that's, that's, that's it, but, the, I mean, sure, that's she, probably, I mean, she probably did have right some in, kind of criminal intent. Yeah, but, but, but like you know, at she, that point, yeah, you charge the mental illness because there's no drugs to do there. But like if she cut me into a thousand pieces and she had a you know a whole bunch of fentanyl or bath salts in her system, like she's you know what I mean? Like now we now do we blame the mental illness or do we blame the drugs? Because I feel like you, the, you blame the drugs at that point. Well, here's the deal. Why why do police officers and other first responders have a higher prevalence of alcoholism? They're using alcohol, which is technically a drug, to drown the mental health issues that they're trying to repress down. Instead of going out and seeking treatment. And it's kind of the same thing with these individuals here that have repressed or, or undiagnosed mental health issues like Mr. Neely, probably with the PTSD that you spoke about and using street drugs, whether it be alcohol or some other form. And that's the problem. But the, also the problem is, truthfully, I think you need more inpatient mental health places, in, at least in Ohio and Kentucky, to where you can keep them in for a longer period of time than than being reliant on an outpatient program that one, they'll go first week or two and then they'll stop going and then they'll disappear. Then they violate probation. What's the only alternative the judge has? Cause that judge in Ohio at least has to run for office every four years, six years, whatever it is. And guess what he needs? FOP endorsement. He needs to be tough on crime to get the voters to vote right. for him. So right. what does he do? He's going to protect the public versus try to rehabilitate that person. So that's, that's the constant circle that happens on this. And, and this is also, by the way, this is the frustration of a lot of police officers because they don't understand this part of it. And I, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm actually a proponent of some of these things, but you, you've got to find a way to address the issue somehow. We're talking about it, and obviously, it's created a huge issue. But this is why they've subdivided things into a mental health court, into a veterans court, into a drug court, because again, yes, they are criminal. Um, like, like you got a serial burglar who's stealing money to get, or who's stealing items to pawn to get money to buy heroin or, or whatever. Right. So yes, that's a criminal issue. I mean, he's committing a crime. He's surviving basically in his mind, but he's committing a crime against society. Is this, is the fix though, to throw him in jail for a year or two years untreated for him to come out and do the exact same thing or can you send him down a drug path a drug court where he is mandatory rehabbed for 90 days 120 days he learns the tools to cope with life so he doesn't have to get rely so he doesn't have to rely on the self-medication the heroin which is driving the crime to begin with it's the same with mental health it's the same with the veteran courts that that you know unresolved trauma or ptsd uh, you know, they're having domestic violence issues or they're having uh, drunk driving issues or whatever. If you get them on this track of, of, of veteran rehabilitation, veteran related, specifically focusing on veteran, 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 even if it's only a small percentage, 20 percent, it takes in that 20 percent. 
you've reduced the recidivism. You've reduced the people going back to prison for committing crimes because you're actually addressing the root problem, not just the, the cause. That's well, my and, and also, what if you have somebody, and here's, here's what irritates me. Say you have somebody that you know, clearly has a mental health issue, a drug addiction, that judge puts them on probation, now patient's not working, they continue to seek street drugs. Well, now you got somebody with a limited record that judges, I'm done, sends them to prison. Well, what's in prison? Guess what? It's a, like a trade drugs for criminals that do more <laughs> right. shit and you can get drugs there. You can learn how to make hooch. You can learn how to make anything. Plus, you also learn how to be a better criminal. So you come out when you're just doing minor shit and you start doing more severe stuff and you start getting associates, associations with people that when they get out, guess what you guys do? You continue to hang out and guess what we're going to do? We're going to form a team of doing these things. I've seen that multiple times, but also with the mental health and to what you were saying, Tansy, as far as the the treatment that happens at some of these hospitals and uh, when you go for a 72 hour hold. Now, Breezy, you said that they, it was private money. I think you need to pull some uh, public records and take a look, follow the money. DJFS, Department of Job and Family Services, uh, any, other, any other money thrower. If you look at some of these hospitals that are private, guess what they're so going to take? You mean all patients because the more patients they have, the more piece of the pie they get yeah and that's self-fulfilling in and of itself they don't get well, it's a revolving door they just want it's a revolving door these he's hey, right yeah these it's, crisis it's centers right. are just a revolving door and that's yeah. why i'm so but, that's why i hate them that's why it, the crisis intervention training is something that i'm very passionate about hating or anything else because it's not in theory it's a great program cit is a great program in theory but it's not it's a check the block insurance get mm -hmm. people into the fucking mental health institutions i mean uh, into these mental health crisis centers um where they can th so throw them through a revolving door with bad attitudes uh, give them prescriptions that aren't healthy. There's no like yoga treatment. There's no, no. massage treatment. There's no like, uh, you know what you need? You know what you need, uh, Mr. Jordan Neely at 28 years old? You know what you need? You need to, you need to be forced to go to an outpatient dance class where you have to dance uh, and learn how to be a better dancer for the next 30 days. And we have a dance place that's willing to allow you to come in there for free or you know, our insurance will pay for it for you to go and be a better dancer. Because you know what Jordan Neely liked to do? And the only time he wasn't committing crimes when it was he was dancing remarkably well, like Michael fucking Jackson. Ironically, you know what I mean? Though, it, it, so, so think about that, though. He's a subway performer. He dances like Michael Jackson. He looks like Michael Jackson. He, he, and they say he was a phenomenal performer. But what, what, do you, where do you, what do you think he got out of that? He got the attention that he was looking for. He didn't have a mother anymore. He didn't have a family. Yeah. So he was getting attention. He was getting dollar bills to pay for food. And then, of course, you know, you keep getting arrested. So your skills start to diminish and it causes you to throw your jacket down in the middle of the subway floor and alarm everybody around you. And next thing you know, you got, you know, some Marine trying to protect everybody else who and, and you know, it's in the chats here. Andrea is talking about it. I don't want to prolong it too long without talking about the case itself, Eric, but the intent of the Marine is, is very important. I think the intent was to protect everybody, but there is a responsibility when it comes to, to somebody dying. I, I don't think he intended to kill anybody. Mm -hmm. I think he intended to just put him in a, put him to sleep essentially. And he executed it horribly, uh, not and to use a pun. I mean, even I don't know that he executed it horribly either. Well, because Henry Gracie came out with a statement that said, look, man, this th he put him in a rear naked choke and, and it was improper. And this is why you need proper BJJ training well, or. Right. You know, but like, what, like this Marine didn't even want to be a fucking Marine anymore. He wanted to be a surfer 
hippie. This dude doesn't okay. want to be combative. So why does he need to go get BJ Jacob training? He's not a cop. He's no, not even no, trying no, no. to be a cop. I understand that, but he's he is trying to do BJJ, right? <laughs> That's I mean, fine. But what you're gonna do whatever, and I guarantee you, he didn't say, "Let me try to do BJJ on this fucking train." What he said was, "Oh Jesus, this guy is gonna fucking hurt somebody." Because literally, he said, "I don't care if I go to jail for the rest of my life." Yeah, he did like, say that. Like real quick, real he quick. said many, many times that he was going to harm other people, and he had a massive jacket on. Um, also. Um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu teaches you how to fight okay. somebody. That's what BJJ means. All right. Yeah. Brazilian, I was, Brazilian I was, I was jiu-jitsu. Else with that. I mean, it teaches you to fight somebody yeah, sure with shorty would. shorts on and, you know. No, um, it's, it's not necessarily that. It's, it's, not, it's not about the fight in BJJ. It's, a, it's about the control and it's about, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's more of a piece. And I get thing. it, but I'm, I'm tired of people just saying, like, we need to have more BJJ training. Like, some people just don't give a fuck about uh, wanting to be fighters. Like, they just don't want to be a fighter. So why should I need more BJJ? I get it. If we could all afford it, if we all didn't have five kids, if we all didn't have jobs and food on the table, if we all didn't have other hobbies, if we didn't want to take our kids to baseball games or take our kids, like, then maybe we could all go do BJJ work. Crossfitters are the same way, right? Like they think no, that everybody it. should do it. And so, of I course, when not. Gracie comes out and says this guy poorly executed, I mean, the guy didn't obviously did not give a fuck about being a warrior. He was not a warrior. That's why he got out of the Marine Corps. And that's why he took up a life of being a backpacker, a hiker through Honduras and explore. I mean, Jesus Christ, this guy looks like fucking JTT from the Backstreet Boys. You know Wait, what I'm saying? Like the nose ring, saying, the curly hair. Are you saying that? He looks look at like... him. Does he not look like JTT? All right, hold on a second, because this is him. That's him. That, that's him surrendering. Same person. And you're saying that he looks like this? Same person, dude. This is the same so person. He could have... this is not... you, you're not saying... You think... So you, you think this guy that's surrendering, who is Daniel Penny, looks like this guy from the Mickey Mouse Club, Justin yes. Timberlake, who is with looks Britney like Spears? Him. Okay. And you don't think he looks like the greatest American hero at all? I like the greatest American hero. Well, listen to me. Like, this guy, right? You're on a subway train around somebody that's very frightening and scary. This dude's 30 years old. Remember, uh, uh, Penny is six years younger. So, you know, when you're in in six years younger in your 20s, 30 looks really kind of old. You know what I'm saying? And so you're going to go out. You're going to go hard. It took okay. You want to talk about Hoist Gracie talking about Brazilian jiu-jitsu? Let's talk about police response. Fifteen minutes. This dude wrestled with this guy. By the way, he fights the entire fifteen minutes, kicking other people, trying to bite, trying to mm-hmm. crawl his way out. Brazilian jiu-jitsu. If Jordan Neely would have just leaned into that chokehold and put his chin down, he'd still be alive. Maybe Jordan Neely needed more Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, I don't. I, I think, can't blame him for not knowing BJJ. But, but you can't blame Daniel Penny for not knowing it either. Well, I'm, in a I'm sense, you can. Daniel that's, Penny still likes high school girls. I mean, he looks like Matthew McConaughey in Days and Confused. Oh, he does. That's what he, hit me. He he was like, yeah, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna try to. If Daniel Penny was wrong in what he did, then why was it like one? You had people from all races. On that, on that thing, helping him keep that dude subdued, yeah, and telling him to hold him tighter. You had them yelling for him to do more. Not one person on that train was telling uh, Daniel Penny to stop because they all could see the totality. Now, I don't know if those people were all, like, listen, it's it's a subway train in New York. You're telling me that every single person on that subway was was a Republican <laughs> or some kind of right wing cons. Uh, uh, 
conservative uh, that wants to go out there and kill black people, some kind of right-wing uh, racist terrorist guy. No, these were Hispanics. All these people from the left and the right were, che- were, were not cheering on, but they were uh, helping we, Daniel yeah. Perry to continue to hold the suit. And they called the police 15 minutes before into this thing, before this thing even came to yeah, its I mean, it, final I conclusion. Would, so where are the cops in this? No, I, I think it's a little bit difficult to get a New York Transit cop to come respond to an emergency and what is that like that from, because the train is What moving. is that from? What is that? That is, that is from defunding the police. And That's this from is a, leftist this is, policies this is that are anti-police. That because, make, listen, you're, yes, you're, you're try, what you're selling America is on the fact that this is a black versus white issue and that he killed him because he's and the answer to this whole thing is to defund the police. And I'm going to play a clip for you at some point where play it now. I play it now. We got a quote. OK. At the end of this, I want you to hear the dumbest thing I have ever heard come out of anybody's mouth. And I'll there's tell you nothing why. more dumb. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say there's nothing more dumb than that probable cause affidavit we read last week. But oh, we have no sound on this, do we? Why don't we have any sound on it? I don't know. Don't we have like a producer uh, that does that? Too? There's sound on it. It's just not playing. The host has unmuted your video. What? Oh, well. Uh, Let me try re-uploading it. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Well, we'll keep talking about this. Why you reopen? Right, right, you For those of you who don't know, oh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, well, no one has been arrested yet in the death of 30 year old Jordan Neely. New York Mayor Eric Adams said he's reserving judgment until the legal system comes to a conclusion. Okay, stop. This was two days ago, three days ago. Uh, Eric Adams still hadn't made a decision, but listen to how she characterizes the arrest. Nobody has been arrested yet in the. Nobody has been arrested yet. She's already she's already foreshadowing that there's going to be an arrest. She doesn't know that. Right. The DA was under pressure to review the case. They had already taken uh, Daniel Penny in. Uh, he surrendered, and they questioned him, and they let him go because they didn't determine they did there, there wasn't enough probable cause to charge him at that point. Obviously, death of 30 year old Jordan Neely. New York Mayor Eric Adams said he's reserving judgment until the legal system comes to a conclusion. But others say charges should have already been filed. Warning, some of the images may be disturbing. Protesters in New York called for justice Thursday. In a situation like this, somebody should be serving some type of time. It all stemmed from a video recorded on a New York City train Monday. Images show subway passengers restraining a man who reportedly had been acting erratically. The 30-year-old man was put in a chokehold for several minutes and later died. He was identified as Jordan Neely. The medical examiner's office ruled that Neely died in a homicide from compression of the neck. People watched why a homeless man was killed, and we failed him in so many ways. According to people, oh, had been homeless at points. I just feel so devastated by that. I've seen oh, this person. Did you feel devastated for the have. woman that he no, tried to push onto the tracks? Of and oh. the white marine seen putting Neely in a white marine on the, train. the white marine. Law enforcement officials said the 24 year old man who has not been publicly it's identified. So okay, it's so biased. Okay, hold on a second. It's so biased and so damning and so... This is what I'm saying. They're trying to veil this, just like Andrea said in the chat. They're trying to veil this in racism because, listen, they're calling him the white Marine and they're 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 kind of blo- blocking him out. If you'll look in the center of your screen, I mean, you could see Jordan Neely's yeah. arm. He's wearing the white T-shirt. Well, the guy that's helping him is not a white person. No. That's a black is he guy. complicit? Is he going to be charged with complicity? 
I, I don't know. Hey, I listen, mean, he, he's a most of these, Hey, most of these guys on the subway didn't get off of their stops. They didn't get off right. of their stop came. I had a list of this, but I'm not going to go through my notes, my, my notes right now. You can go do your own research, but I, I had it pulled up here a second ago. Uh, a lot of the, and I, I was going to read off which ones didn't get off at their stop, their individual stop. They stayed on the train to help the Marine. They didn't stay on the train to try to help Jordan Neely. Right. They stayed on the train, missed their stops. And if you're ever been to New York for a second, missing your stops is not always that fun. It's not like super easy or convenient. It's like missing mm. an exit on purpose. Nobody wants to fucking do that. And there, they stayed on to, to help subway. Daniel Penny. And by the way, nobody's talking about their race or their politics because I can guarantee you they weren't all conservatives. They weren't all Republicans. Exactly. They weren't Marines by any by any chance. So what it tells me is that even the civilians, the citizens, where are their rights? Where are the citizens, not the white marine quote unquote. This is what I this is exactly what I'm saying all along. Like at what point do we do we give attention to the actual taxpayers that want to be protected? Not to the two percent or six percent that are committing the crime, but the ninety-four percent that are abiding by the laws or haven't been caught anyway and are paying their taxes for us to protect them. Hold on, let's let's watch. And then where is the left? If 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 Daniel Penny was doing something wrong. Okay, then, if Daniel Penny saw something that he deemed a threat and he dealt with that threat and then somebody else saw Daniel where was the other hero? Right. Where's the leftist so-called hero that would come and stop Daniel Penny? Why didn't somebody walk around and put Daniel Penny in a chokehold? If <laughs> right. he was doing something great, like where are the other heroes at? So you're saying that like because he was a a right-wing conservative. We don't even know that he was a right-wing conservative. I, I, I'm telling you right now, I have no we idea. Have no this guy's idea. a little bit androgynous. He has a fucking nose ring. He goes in backpacks around Europe. Probably, for all I know, this guy could be a, a Bud Light drinking uh, a hippie. You know, just because you're a Marine doesn't make you some kind of right-wing conservative Nazi. Um, so you're telling me, yeah, this whole thing is just ridiculous. And to have that yeah. woman in the mask cry out for the other guy, yeah, I get it. They're released. What message is New York City sending to the rest of the world? It's okay to choke and kill unruly black people? Manhattan. <laughs> okay, that, that's, this is my issue with this whole thing. They're giving that guy airtime, and this is my rage from last week. I'm so fucking tired of running from the racism. That is a racist statement. That is an assumption that we're trying to put black people down. That's that's not the case. It's zero chance that is the case. And this guy is allowed to get on to WGN, a very large network in Chicago, broadcast through probably all of the United States and say unruly black people. That's got nothing to do with this. This really has nothing to do with this. The guy was unruly. Stop it there. And that's what they were dealing with. They were dealing with the cobra. All right. Couple Hang on of one things second. Real, oh, I'm sorry. Right, what, what do you think, Rob? Rob, do you think this is? Uh, well, well, hey, I want to play the video. Play the video in its totality. Um, yeah, because there's, there's and then let's statement. get Rob's take as a lawyer on if if Mister if if uh, manslaughter, which by the way he's facing up to 15 years for. Yep. Um, and yeah. Anyway, let's go Rigorous ahead and investigation into whether to bring charges. Mayor Eric Adams said Thursday he's allowing that investigation to run its course before rushing to judgment. The police is doing the investigation and the district attorney uh, is doing his investigation. And I respect the process. On Wednesday, protesters at the subway station where Neely died called for justice and a plan to fight the issue of mental health. Defund the police. WGN is putting this defund the police patch. 
consciously editing this into the story. Homelessness in the city. What we're seeing from our elected leaders is just continually throw police and police at the issue and the issue, and that's not. Well, this has nothing to do with the cops. Nobody uh, was a cop on. here. Hold on. This is this is the dumbest statement that has ever been made by anybody ever. So let let him talk so I can <laughs> I can respond to him real quick because I got to hear it again. Homelessness in the city. What we're seeing from our elected leaders is just continually throw police and police at the issue and the issue. And that's not going to resolve the issue. And that's just going to lead to people deputizing themselves. What we're seeing is the police that that our leaders are throwing police and police at the issue, and that's not going to solve the issue. So we've got to defund the police, is what he's saying. And he said, and what that's going to lead to is people just deputizing themselves, like this guy did. So he's he he completely contradicted himself. He said we don't need police officers anymore. And we don't need vigilantes to take care of, to stand up on the subway car when the guy slams his jacket down and, and everybody is worried about his instability. That is probably the most dumb statement I have ever heard. Let me read you the dumbest article I've heard about this. This was by a guy named Zach Ward. Um, I can only imagine that Zach is some like deranged white dude, just like the deranged white dude on the subway in that video that was being the most theatrical person out of all of them. Like, like, what, what, like this isn't your fight, homeboy. Like, what, 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 like, what is your job there? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, why are you got to be the most theatrical? Why, why are you the one that's trying to steal all the limelight? You're a white dude. Let, let, let the black people have their moment. Why are you trying to steal their, uh, you know, they're seen there. It's like you're the one that wants to have the most attention and it's not about you, but you're trying to make it about you, which is a stereotypical white person thing to do. Uh, the 24 year old man who choked Jordan Neely to death thought to kill Neely before he thought to provide him with food, water or money needed to get those things. While it may be mind boggling for the people on that train or any train or street in America to realize the obvious thing they should have done is just give Neely food, water or money. It's that simple. This is the article. Instead, they defended the societal norm to death. The norm that you don't give food, water, or money to panhandlers. The norm that anyone asking for those things is in the wrong. That money only comes when it's hard-earned and that we don't share our hard-earned money with strangers or even close family members who need it because they were just enabling them to fail at life. This is capitalism. You have the right to use your talents to pursue making money. And then that money is yours, no matter how dire the situation is for someone else, no matter how insignificant giving a bit of it away might be, you don't give it up. Some people are too greedy to give it up. Others, and perhaps many of the people on Neely's train, are just following the norm. They wouldn't mind giving up some money if they really thought about it, but they don't because it would look weird. It's a conformity issue. If you are a good person, which most people are, and you have enough money, there is no way you pass someone who is desperate on the street without giving them money unless you have justified it in your mind. The idea that all men and women are created equal is part of our society ideology in this country. The problem is the belief that we are created equal, but then, but that if you end up in a position where you're begging, you're somehow less than equal. This is the most deranged, bizarre, article i've ever written read, read <laughs> that i've ever read from the, the from zach thank you zach zach if you went on and, and and gave all of your money to every homeless person you encountered or every panhandler on the street where would your money be <laughs> right 
Where would your money go? And how many people would OD? So you've now contributed to the overdose. There's a man. Look, there's no black homeless people where I live. I live in the, in the country. I live in the middle of nowhere. And there aren't any black homeless people where I live. I haven't seen one. I've never seen a black person begging where I live. I've seen a man from Kosovo begging. Um, and there is a white man that begs every single day at Compare Foods. And sometimes I give him money and sometimes I don't. But I also know that every time I do see this guy eating something, it's a bag of chips or it's an ice cream. He loves his ice cream. And he obviously has diabetes because he's missing a leg. That I, and he, I can tell from the scars, it's just very similar to my uncle, that he probably lost that leg due to diabetes. So I don't give him money because I don't want to see this man eating disgusting chips and uh, ice cream all the time. And he begs every single day. He's been begging out that, outside that store every day for 13 years. For 13 years, that man has been out there begging. I, sometimes I give him money. Sometimes I don't. But like uh, to, to say that I should give money every time I pass a panhandler, God, this and this is the problem with the thought of these leftist ideologies here. And this is what I talk about left. Again, I'm not talking about full Trump train here, but I'm talking about this coddling to, to these homeless. Like there's a reason why Jordan Neely was homeless. And, and it's a sad reason that it got there. But at the end of the day, giving Jordan Neely food or water was not going to help him. He doesn't want to be alive the in that moment. Mm-hmm. And he said that on the train. Let's not forget that this whole thing started with him shouting over and over again, I don't care if I go to prison for the rest of my life. I don't care against consequences. I'm going to hurt someone. Give me food or drink right now. Who has food on the subway? Does everybody just get on the train with food in their hand? I don't travel on any plane or train with food. I don't like to breathe on the subway. It stinks. It's shitty. Who's going to eat a fucking sandwich down there? They're like, what food does this man think he's going to get? Food or drink? (laughs) First of all, Zach can uh, stay in the fucking cities. I saw the one comment, uh, get out of the cities is an option. No, I don't want them out of the cities because they're going to do the same shit. They're not changing their ideology, come into the rural areas, stay in the fucking cities. That's a cesspool that you're building right now. Stay in there. Where in the hell was the public outrage for uh, Mr. Neely's mental health issues and his homelessness from the same people, little, little woman at the subway station with the mask on? I mean, shit, doesn't she know COVID's over? pursuant to the Biden declaration. Uh, <laughs> where, where was the outrage? I guarantee you she was not marching for mental health awareness or homeless homelessness or anything else. She had an opportunity to go down there and media is there. Let's jump on the, uh, the outrage train. It's horse shit. And, and it's, it's getting tired. I mean, as far as giving money to people, I, I, I give it to the guy that has a sign. Why lie? I want alcohol. That's the guy that's getting my shit. Don't tell me, you know, I'm, I'm homeless, blah, 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 because I, I don't know, lost my wife or whatnot. It sounds like a country song. Give it to the guy that wants the alcohol or at least is upfront and honest about it. I, I just don't get the outrage. And the fact that if, the, if, they if a man, like coming at it from a lawyer perspective, if a man says, I want to die, I'm willing to die, I'm willing to hurt you right now, if I slam my fist down in a manner, um, hmm? You know, yeah. that, to me, those, you know, to, to a Marine, that's triggering. Yeah. You know, if you say, I don't care if I go to jail for the rest of my life, give me food, give it to me now. And he slams it down and his head is positioned in a way where he's looking, who is my victim? Who am I going to hurt? Because he says, I'm going to hurt someone. And he's looking. Walk into a bank. And the Marine Walk into says, a bank and say, all right, everybody, real loud. See what the hell happens. You know, <laughs> words have reactions. And, and you, you interpret those words on that. I want to die. Jesus. All right. What, what's next? Is he going to start 
push on a red button with a backpack or some shit. You don't know nowadays. And he so, had a very large coat on, which Hoist Gracie, listen, Mr. Gracie, I get it. You go onto a mat where people have been patted down or you could see what's in their geese or what's not in their geese and their little shorty shorts and all that stuff. I get that. Listen, all my friends do BJJ. And we go and watch fights all the time with these guys. They all love that stuff. I've done BJJ. Uh, I've rolled with Mike the Cop. Got, got destroyed. But, you know, there is a difference between rolling on the mats and then going onto a subway train with a dude standing up on a cart full of other civilians around who's got a jacket on who could have razor blades, hypodermic needles, aids. And, and like, I get your controlling techniques are great. I'm, dude, I'm not saying that they're not amazing and incredible and that it works. But it doesn't, you know, I patted a guy down and he had a needle, hypodermic needle, a heroin needle sticking straight up, needle point out with no cap sticking out of his boot straight up. And as I was patting down, I felt something in his jeans and I pinched his jeans up and there's a needle sticking straight up at me. And I was freaking out because I felt the needle. I'm looking at my arm. Did it get in me? Did it stick in me? Am I, you know, like what's going on? This guy could have been rolling around with this guy. That is a scary situation. I don't yes. want to move away from his neck. If, if I'm holding his neck and nothing's poking me or stabbing me, I'm not going to move around yeah. and try to try to figure something else out. Also, the, the witnesses on board said that the, they, the one Hispanic witness that they referred to a whole bunch. If you listen to his entire statement, he says, I just don't understand. The man was fighting the entire time until the last few seconds when he stopped moving. And that's when we let him go. They never let the man go because the man continued to fight, bite, kick and thrash for 15 minutes. They called, they wanted help. They called for the police. They yeah, begged like the man to minutes. stop fighting. Um, right. But I think the news said for the I get altercation it. started for 15 minutes. That was the train ride. Um, uh, but the point being is, is that this guy was holding onto that guy in a sleeper position. Now, listen, how many times have I been choked out? I've been choked out like three times, like fully unconscious, ch ch choked out because in the military, you get a bunch of dudes boned up and they're mad at each other and they get to call each other out on Sundays and you get to have a little wrestling match. It's an it's a army thing. It's a Marine Corps thing. I've gotten choked out before doing that. I've also got choked out practicing because I didn't tap out or because the schmuck didn't feel me tapping out and I was out cold. You don't even know that you go out cold. My point being is that in all these Brazilian jiu-jitsu gyms all across the United States, how many times do people get choked out unconscious? How many times do you get people get just smashed in the face where their arms go like rigor mortis right away? They don't fucking die. And the reason why they don't die is because that's not like it, unless they're like on some kind of drugs or they have some kind of a heart failure or something like that. This man was passed out and immediately given CPR, immediately given into into the recovery position. We see it almost every UFC fight. Where people don't die. We still don't have the toxicology report for this guy. Yeah, that's that's the other thing. I, I don't think we got a tox report back. We yeah, have a full video if you want to see that, it. I mean, you know, just because you choke somebody out doesn't mean that you're murdering them perception is not reality now you know it can be murder absolutely in your views as an attorney though um where do my rights come into play when somebody when i really feel like there's an inherent danger to other people Listen, this guy's from long island it's not his first rodeo on a on a subway train either you know what i'm saying and we all can attest and i've only been on a subway train like twice in my life you're gonna see crazy shit i've only been on there twice i could write an entire book of what i saw so it's not like when I traveled in New York all the time, uh, we were supposed to ride the subway. I dove into my own pocket to go to and from the office because I rode it twice. And I've ridden it more, but I try to avoid it as much as possible. You're going to see crazy. Anything wet you assume is piss, throw up, or something else. It's just a, a shitty thing, and I could not imagine doing that on a regular basis. That's why I don't live in New York. And uh, this is why I'll never probably go to New York or live in New York again. 
what he did is going to quell anybody from trying to help others. I think it's going to have a big time chilling effect. I know if uh, self-preservation now, hell I'm getting off the subway as soon as possible. I'm getting the hell away from that guy. Let it, let somebody else do it. If they're going to charge this guy with reckless up to 15 years in prison in New York, why in the hell would I subject myself to that when I can just get up and hopefully get far enough away to where this dog is going to find somebody else to bite. And I'm not using that as, as a derogatory example to Mr. Neely. I'm just using it as, you got somebody in there mouthing off like a dog barking and you get the hell away from it because you don't want to be the one that's bit by that dog. I'm getting away. And there's, there's, I, I hear what you're saying as far as somebody, you know, I mean, is it criminal or not? I, I think Mr. Uh, Mr. Penny has a subjective belief that his life or the life of others was in danger at that point in time. And that's where self-defense and defense of others comes in. And I don't know what the true definition of it is in New York. I practice in Ohio and Kentucky. But here, I mean, as long as you're justified, you don't cause the situation and uh, you are truly acting in defense of others. And you had a, a real realistic belief that your life or somebody else's life was in danger and you acted appropriately with the amount of force necessary to, to stop that. Um, and that's going to be a subjective answer, subjective question for the jury to answer. What was in Mr. Penny's mind at that point in time based upon the evidence, circumstantial evidence, the direct evidence, his testimony? Uh, what was the testimony of the other people on the subway if they cooperate what he says? Because most of the time, while that attorney is going to prepare by talking to those witnesses as well that were on the subway when he's defending Mr. Penny, you're going to do a motion to separate those witnesses at trial. So they're not going to hear what the explicit direct testimony is of each other that were there. And it's even though you prepare, it's never the same as if you prepared. Um, so hopefully I'd, it all I'd like to also up. argue that in a Marine's position like that, once you're in fear for somebody else's life, again, you don't know what this guy has. And with all the mass shootings that we've seen, right, with all of the uh, stabbings that, that have occurred, things that has happened in Atlanta, you know, who's to say that this Marine can't be triggered by that as well. I don't think now is the time to be but, flirting with, uh, I could is, be, listen, it, I, I fantasize. And when I say fantasize, I use it loosely, but like I war game in my brain, what am I going to do with an active shooter? Because you have to accept the risk that if you shoot an active shooter, somebody might think you're the active shooter and you might get shot. There, and so there you was have a, war I'm sorry, but there, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. There, there is a blackmail uh, active shooter uh, within the last what two years on oh, on the subway train in New York. Oh, like oh, I, it, didn't he kill like six or seven people or shoot six or seven people? I don't and there know was a homeless there was or... a homeless man that that was uh, shooting people at random. Um, and there was also a homeless guy that was getting shot randomly in the head. But I think it was by another homeless man. I can't remember that case as well. Yeah, that but, was in you know, St. My... Louis. Yeah. Yeah, my, my point being here is that, uh, you know, when you flirt with being an active killer of some sort on a subway train in front of a Marine, that Marine's going to hold on for dear life because in his brain, dude, like that Marine's a trained killer, right? And our government trained him to be that way. Uh, and I, and listen, I don't know that this dude, he's not on a battlefield though, this right now, guy felt that he was killing this guy. And I don't think that anybody around him thought that he was killing this. Now, if, if Mr. Penny was, choking this dude and everybody on the train was like all right that's enough let him go that's enough let him go okay daniel let him go you're killing him you're killing him there okay, was now i've got that. now i've got it but they weren't doing that they were like no. you got him you got him keep on him keep on him no. he's kicking stop there kicking was... sir stop resisting like even the civilians were again not cheering on mr penny but they were 
being accessories to what Mr. There, there was, was a there was a reason. civilian that was lending his his expertise in the whole thing, saying, "My wife is military, and if the guy defecates on himself, you got to let him up." He was he was kind of like we have the whole video; we can watch it. And he was he said it a couple of times. At this point, the train was already stopped. But the thing is, they put they put Jordan Neely in a recovery position, and he was still moving when he let go. He wasn't dead. He was he was pronounced dead at the hospital. I'm sure he died on the subway car at some point, but this guy was saying was saying, "Hey, you got to let up because if the guy defecates himself, that's that means he's gone too far or something." And they were saying, "No, I can assure you that was there before we started." You, you'll see it. Like we have, if you want to watch the video now, or I don't know when you want to. Yeah, watch go ahead, it. play it because. Um... Yeah, I... So it's showing it's showing George Neely in the white shirt. There's a, uh, a Daniel Penny. It's got him in the chokehold, who's laying on his back and backpack. And then there's a black male with a backpack and he's a hat. He's still resisting. Who's yeah? Who is holding the arms? Uh, and he's actually sitting on his legs as well. So he's still fighting. He's still resisting. Um, and he's not tapping out. All he had to do was tap. You would have let him go. So there's a now there's a third male uh, who is, you know, trying to looks Lebanese hold his shoulders. But we got one dude that looks to be Indian or of Indian descent, possibly Hispanic. One dude that looks Lebanese. Um, it's a real mixing pot. We've got a female here. She's not trying to stop anybody. No, she doesn't even give a fuck. To be honest with you. If, if you, she's texting. Right. So they're still holding him in the chokehold. The they're still. They're still repositioning themselves. This guy that's filming this thing, you can see he's actively kicking. Like, he's not... That's an announcement for police. The guy that's filming this, by the way, did a great interview on this uh, website called Curb. And it's it's objective. I mean, he, he, he calls it like he sees it. So... Jordan Neely's legs are kicking now in the air. I, I like he's it's like he's stretching his leg basically. And he's trying to control the leg. Yeah. And uh, I, and there's I a black female. The black female doesn't give a fuck. She just gets off the fucking train. She doesn't even want to be a witness. She's like, nah, I'm out. I'm good. Nope. She came back on. She's like, I yeah, do want to be a witness. I think now she's, she's texting. NTA she's thing. not videoing. Oh nope. She takes a phone call. Oh, she's yelling for police. Yeah, I think I think she's actually an FTA official. She looks like she's got a uniform on. I don't know that to be a fact. But this guy that that is uh, recording this, it's an empty car because everybody got off of it. But they're stopped. This guy actually got off of the car that was filming this and was filming from the window. Then he came back onto the car. And Abby says that the train looks empty. They have That's made several stops. They made several stops, but there was a whole group that never got off. I think that's the group that you're seeing right here. And I think there's a whole group behind the cameraman as well. Yeah, the, and the, the group behind the cameraman is saying things like, you got, that's, my wife's in the military. When when the guy is choking, he'll, he's going to defecate. you got to let him go. And they're trying to tell him, hey, he's already defecated. So they're moving. Daniel Penny's getting off of him. 
and he's they're placing him in the recovery position so he's not choking on look his own. mr penny is helping him getting into a recovery position he's not sitting there if, if, if mr penny wanted to kill this guy at this point he'd be stomping on his throat i don't think it would have taken that long once he defecates, you gotta let him go. Like that guy fucking knows. I've never been trained on that at any time in my life. <laughs> Do they teach that in BJJ? Once he shits himself, you gotta let him go. Now the only thing I can't tell is when you know he's helping him put it and put him in the recovery position. It, it appears that he's breathing there, but it's hard to tell. And the only thing I can't tell is if Jordan Neely is. Um, shifting and moving because he's being manipulated by them or if he's still shifting and moving. But, because it doesn't appear that no, he's I just... He's out. Yeah, I mean, he may be unconscious. Oh, no, he's See, moving he's his just feet. Moved. He's moving his feet. And, he's and, moving and his feet. Let's watch it one more time, and I know it's tough for the podcast people, but you look at his torso. You, he's wearing a white shirt, so it should be easy to right, spot. I thought he was wearing a jacket. Well, he did. He slammed the jacket down. That's oh, that's right. Everybody he slammed the jacket down. It's right there on the floor. See, he, he moved his hips and his torso, so he's he's breathing. In in other words, that's what yeah. I'm saying. I I, I kind of I tend to think that he um he, he what do you see in this Rob? Hospital. What do you see at this Rob? Do you see this as as uh, as manslaughter? Do you think he went too far? Well, there's different degrees. I mean, I think I might have talked about this on one of the other shows. You've got the mens rea and the actus reus in any crime, typically in any state. The uh, mens rea is the mental component, purposely, knowingly, recklessly, negligently. Then you've got the actus reus, the act of doing whatever you're doing, uh, hitting, striking, choking, whatever. A couple of things, Eric, one that you say, I mean, you're talking about a Marine. He's not on the battlefield. He's not in the Marines right now. He's not fighting another combatant. So while that may have some play in Mr. Uh, Mr. Penny's defense, I think it's going to have a little bit more play in the state's case or the city's case, whoever's prosecuting it. Secondly, I don't know what the status is in New York as far as police and uh, hands-on and, and stuff, but I know in Ohio, I think they've outlawed the chokehold for, for yeah, these New kind York of definitely. reasons. And I think that's going to be a huge play for New York City, uh, the prosecutor's office in this situation. Particularly, they're going to have to have cops testify, and I'm sure the prosecutor is going to ask a cop, are, are you trained to use a chokehold? Are you trained to, uh, as you say, BJJ somebody? Um, I think that's going to have a huge effect on a jury listener. To that it's just a matter of whether they can overcome it. Now, he charged him with reckless uh, manslaughter. If you look at reckless, and I, I did look up New York's reckless uh, statute itself, not that I know any case law, uh, but recklessly – uh, is to find his causing some without the intent to do so. Do I think he had the intent to kill him? No, but I, I don't know what the case law interpreting that is. Is in Ohio, it's typically uh, disregarding a known risk. I think there's a known risk when you strap your arm around somebody's throat to apply a chokehold. Uh, that there is a risk that you take them to the other world. Um, so I think that's going to be an issue. I, I I know why he overcharged. They always do. They overcharge, try to quell the, the public outrage and everything yeah. else. The people that should have been marching for mental health, homeless awareness that now, hell shit, we have nothing to do today. Let's go out and uh, really attack the police and all this other shit, blame everything on, uh, you know, race. But I, I think negligent might be a better, uh, a better mens rea component for a charge in this case, just because it's dialed down from reckless enough. It's, 
car crash. You know, you were, you were errant. You didn't disregard a risk. You didn't intend to kill the individual, but your actions negligently caused his death. Like and a I don't know ponder. what the penalty is. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what the penalty is on negligent manslaughter in, uh, in New York, but what's the penalty for breaking a woman's orbital lobe and crushing her face? What's the penalty for trying to murder somebody by pushing them onto yeah. the railroad tracks? But, but does obviously does it's not a, a big deal. No. So and, those aren't going to come into play. But, but I'm yeah, saying it's like he was never charged. He never served like the, the most uh, this guy served. It was one year in prison. Yeah. But one year Penny's for defense, fucking trying to murder help him at all. And now if Mr. Penny can say, yeah, I knew this about him. Therefore he had a uh, uh, reputation of being, No, I'm just saying if, he, if Mr. Penny gets charged, the charge is not going to be that big because the, the charge is like, they don't charge people in New York. Right. So like if Mr. Right. Penny does get charged with negligent manslaughter, what, yeah. what was it going to be? Two weeks? Like two in weeks theory. Well worth what's, it. Yeah. What's going to happen is like he'll get time served or something and they'll right. march in the streets again because he wasn't punished enough. Yeah. Because, because if, it, if, it if the time fine. for, <laughs> it was yeah. fine when you were breaking a 67 year old's orbital to only serve 10 days because that's justice yeah. somehow. It's, well, I mean, it, Mr. Penny, if I were him, I identify with somebody as somebody that has a mental health issue and uh, see if he can't get in the same courtroom. That, as the that other was guy. a fun card. That's a fun card because then, like, uh, two, two mental illnesses, does that just make yeah. zero? Like, it, why, like, why wouldn't you just come back and be like, yeah, I suffer from PTSD too? Like, I'm, I've got mental illness too. I'm 70% disabled, yeah. you know, or something like that. Um, you know, it's like, yeah, there, I'd go and put my of, VA claim in right now. If I were him. There's a lot of chatter too, Rob, if you would address it. Um, he wasn't a cop, so so what standard is he held to? He's he's just he's basically held to the standard of you can only use the same level of force that you're being well, met with. I I would agree with that, and you can only use enough force to stop the threat to you or others. Um, however, he, he was a marine. Um, they're so taught that have known. they're taught that. Chokehold. You should have known. <laughs> this no, is I'm not you're trained to do one thing. Known. They're not. They're not trained. This, they're trained to eliminate a threat. Period. Right. right. This they're is not trained to like to... use the reasonable amount of force. But Eric, this is what I the this is Marines find yellow flowers and break the heads off of it just to destroy something. This is what the prosecution is going to use. This is what I'm saying. He's there's the fact that he's a Marine is going to work against him because he should have known. That's what they're going to use. That's that's yeah, my the, take on it. Well, my argument. The Marines is, are taught to that. As far as the chokehold for the cops, the cops aren't doing that right now because of this. Because of this particular situation, the Marines and the military are taught that because when they're on the battlefield and they need to use that in close hand-to-hand -hand combat for whatever reason, uh, they're they're trying to kill some big people for the most part. Or if they're not, they just don't give a shit if that person dies. You know, because you're not going to have the New York City mayor out there on Front Street and people protesting over in Iraq. Uh, Afghanistan, oh shit, he, he choked him out and didn't put him in a recovery position fast enough. This is a citizen of the United States with mental health issues, regardless of mental health issues, drug addiction, prior criminal history. Now, that doesn't matter. Right. It's still it's a citizen of the in. United States. But I mean, does yeah. he not have a right to stop a threat? Like, and, and do he you does. not have the right to say, you know, I thought that, so if, if I think that somebody's going to kill somebody, I have the right to use deadly force. And if he says, I don't care if I go to life in prison, I'm going to hurt somebody. Well, me, I mean, no. listen, you say that in front of me, dude. And, I know. actually had this case and I'm going to give you this, this example. I don't know if it works or not. It just hit me real quick, but let's say he's out there. The guy slams it, uh, slams his jacket down and starts screaming. I don't give a shit if I live or not. Mr. Penny's got a knife. And he's like, all right, yeah, I put my finger, my thumb on the blade just so one inch would go in to Mr. Neely. And damn it, my thumb slid down and it went all the way in and pierced a vital artery and Mr. Neely died. 
Well, his intent wasn't to kill him. It was to subdue him. But the ultimate result was a death. Is that reckless or negligent? I don't know. Is it a charge? Yeah, it is probably a charge. He didn't have a knife. Why are you stabbing some guy without a knife? Why are you choking the shit out of somebody that didn't threaten to kill anybody, wasn't physical with anybody at that point in time, to my knowledge? He did and, threaten uh, to hurt. He says, I'm going to hurt somebody. And then he was looking for somebody to hurt. Do we have to wait for him to hurt somebody? Well, I mean, no. he's got to make, I, I would imagine, an overt act somehow in furtherance of that threat. Before well, the, the Hispanic witness, the Hispanic, I forgot his name right now, um, you know, said that he said, I'm going to hurt somebody and then began to look for somebody, you know, began to like kind of move his head in a way that was like, all right, who am I hurting? You know, and the Marine was like, not today, bitch. Not today. You're not hurting anybody on my what watch. What I mean, so what? The hills of Montana. Have you never said I'm going to kill that son of a bitch or I'm going to kill that asshole? <laughs> what? I mean, I'm going to kill somebody. I'm going to. I could kill her. I could kill him. You know, and you're just saying it because you're exasperated with whatever is going on at that time until you actually take an act, though. To but you don't think this guy made some kind of act because, uh, like I said before, I'm I'm sure that Daniel Daniel Penny has seen lots of crazy shit on subways, but this one escalated to the point where Daniel Penny was like, "If I don't do something right now, because like, you know, if he was that guy, this wouldn't have been his first rodeo." You know what I'm saying? Uh, and again, I mean, I, I I don't. This dude looks like a pacifist. He has a nose ring for fuck's sakes. It's not Name it's another one, one of those, killer that those has a nose issues. ring. It's another one of those issues though, where we haven't heard what the other witnesses are going to say. We don't have. It we on have the heard what the other witnesses have had to say. The, the, all the witnesses are like praising Daniel Penny's actions. No, that'll that'll bode well for Mr. Penny in court. But nonetheless, yeah. I, I can't speculate on what was going through Mr. Penny's head at that point in time. I don't know. Thank God I'm not in his head, nor am I in Mr. Neely's head. So, sure. so here's here's the uh, the the account of the one that the actually the guy that actually took the video. He said, uh, "We stopped at Second Avenue. I saw someone running towards the doors." It, 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 there's this ironic moment where Jordan Neely almost missed the train had he not <laughs> opened the door to get on the train. He you know it would have reshaped you know a butterfly effect type deal but he stopped the door from closing and he got on and he stood in the middle of the train car and he started yelling that he didn't have food that he didn't have water from what i understood he was yelling that he was tired and they didn't care about going to jail then it uh then i'll skip ahead a little bit it says at that moment uh he, he said you could hear okay <sighs> And then I heard him take off his jacket. He bundled it up and just threw it on the floor very violently. You could hear the sound of the zipper hitting the floor. And at that moment, when he threw the jacket, the people who were sitting around him stood up and moved away. He kept standing there and just, and he kept yelling. It's at that moment that the, this man came up behind him and grabbed him by the neck. And I think, I didn't see, but I think, the move of grabbing him by the neck also led him to grab Neely by the legs with his own, and they both fell. And then in like 30 seconds, I don't know, we got to Broadway and Lafayette, and they were just there on the floor. And you ask how many people out of 100 uh, would have dared to do something like that? I say, I, I, and I think 98 will say no. I, I would wait to see uh, one more sign that indic indicates aggression. So even the witness is saying there are probably people that would act seeing what he saw but it's a low percentage i mean and you know that's going to be well, obviously for the jury now you guys have been in new york i mean how many how many crazy ass people do you see on the sidewalks you oh, gotta move yeah, away and, from and them. like so. and, and that's that's a good point too because if you send me to new york 
it's that's that would be a huge culture shock for me because I don't I like shit when I go into Raleigh it's a culture shock and I was a cop there for six years but I haven't been back to Raleigh I stay I live in the middle of nowhere for a reason I don't want to deal with any of the big city bullshit I I don't like big city I don't like houses being on top of each other I think that's a form of like societal slavery like to be told when I can shut my garage door and when I can't and what my trash cans have to look like and what kind of animals I can have and I can't have and what has to be on a leash and what does all I think that all of that is trash in my opinion so I stay the fuck away from the city. Anytime I'm forced to go into the city, even though I was a cop in that city for six years, I'm like appalled about like how people like to live in that environment. It seems very dangerous to me. So if I were to go to New York, it would be huge culture shock. I'd be like, dude, this is not how, in my opinion, or from my experience, reasonable people act. People don't act like that in the country. You don't have shit like this happen where I live. People don't slam their jackets around. People don't have mental health breakdowns in the country. I don't go to San Francisco, though, Tansy, where people are on the sidewalk and you're walking down the sidewalk, minding your own business. Somebody's screaming, I hate whitey. Fuck you, whitey. And all this other shit. I've been there. What do you do? Do I have the opportunity at that point in time? Shit, I don't have to wait for any more action. He hates whitey. You might attack me. I'm white. Do I get to choke him out then? No, you don't choke him out. And when that door opens up at the next stop, why didn't he just say everybody get the hell out? I don't want to play Monday morning quarterback, but I think if you got everybody else sure. out at that point in time, get up off the guy. You can clearly tell he doesn't have a weapon on him. You're you're spooning with his ass on the subway floor, and uh, you're, one you're that, that, that time Look at the flies. size differential between the two. The size differential between the two. I mean, Penny is a a large guy comparatively so to Neely. Neither of them are, are bodybuilders by any means or or heavyweight boxers, but nonetheless. I think the threat was stopped and you had enough time to get people off of there to where you could have ex- excavated your earth. Jesus exfilled yourself out of that damn place and uh, moved on with your life and everybody's good. I think that's, I mean, I don't think so because I think the guy was fighting the entire time. Yeah, you know, but, when you're holding, you're holding somebody and you're like, I got him. If I let him go, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, that guy can, I mean, listen, Rob, I've been, I fight, I fought a million people. Now that's not true, but I fought in, enough people and had my i've even had my my teeth shattered on duty by getting hit in the face by a crackhead i had my leg broken fighting a murder suspect on pool road um you know it's not a game dude this isn't ufc this isn't like a tap out with a referee you let guy you you let go of the neck of a guy like um neely he turns around and fucking drives his thumb right through your eyeball and into your fucking brain or he rips your nostril or break, i mean he broke a chick's orbital lobe i'm just saying once you commit on the streets in my opinion, you got to fully commit. That's what I tell people. I'm like, look, I don't, I don't do road rage. I don't deal with anybody. Like I don't flick people off in my car. I don't do it because you don't know how far somebody's willing to go. And once you've crossed that line, you're, you're taking a gamble at that point on how far somebody's going to go. So that means I have to go the distance and I'm not really willing to do that. So I don't fuck around. Well, I, thought, with it. I thought Mr. Penny uh, was a Marine trained, uh, infantry man. So, I mean, he's going the distance. He's going the distance. Yeah. He went past it. All right. When you're, when you're, when you were on the streets of Raleigh, you probably had somewhere in your SOPs the ability to use, to display your firearm to to affect uh, a dangerous sure. arrest or a high yeah. high traffic or high uh, risk arrest. Yeah, okay. Of course. Well, it's a show of deadly force. You, you're saying I I will kill you, and it's a show of deadly force. But when you've when you've calmed the situation or you've met the objective of getting that person under control, you can't, you can't just commit to deadly force at that point and shoot the guy. You got to put the gun in your holster and put the handcuffs on him. And this is kind of what I think Rob is saying, maybe not, but 
you can't it's not an all or nothing like well i'm gonna put i'm gonna choke this guy out but i'm gonna just slowly kill him and, and drain the life out of him i think once he is subdued and he is showing that he's subdued you you get you can't worry about the thumb in your eye at that point it's it, it's likely but he did let happen. him go as soon as the guy stopped moving and he was subdued he let him go up until okay. that point that dude yeah. was not subdued he was kicking he was fighting um and even in the chats here um we have people saying that that guy was still very much a threat uh there's guys <laughs> saying um if you if you don't let him up until the fight is out of him um and they did once the fight was out of him they let him up uh two adults fighting is a fight for someone's life it really is um it's not 100 percent. there have been plenty of fights uh sure i mean it started with cain and abel by the way my my stepson uh notified me last night that uh abel was the first man to die okay. did you ever think yep. about it that way um, but, uh, no, so, I didn't, but, but we've been, we've been fighting since cain and abel i mean like but you know I don't think every fight is to the death. It's sometimes like if that were the case, hockey wouldn't be as fun. No, for well, me, I keep though, seeing like, castle I'm, doctrine I'm, being thrown up there too. Does New York even have the castle doctrine? I mean, self-defense no, is pretty uh, so. universal. But, retreat. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty blue state. And I think most of the red states are the ones with the castle doctrine. I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, you know, there was no race involved. Racism was not involved. No. He wasn't scared of the black man. He wasn't scared of you know the, you know this this kid, um, you know the defund the police movement has nothing to do with this. Well, um, if anything, what I what I what I, if anything, this should be, you know, we need mental health reform and, um, you, you know, and giving some something practical to somebody. This guy being a dancer, you know, never once will you see anybody prescribe yoga. Never once will you see somebody prescribe more dance classes. Never, never will you see them prescribe uh, mandatory uh, softball, you know, joining a softball league. And these are these are simple things that can go a long way in somebody's life. Yeah, they really can. I've seen it with skateboarding. I've seen it with, uh, you know, Eminem, the rapper. Imagine Eminem without rap music. You know, that dude would have been a, a serial killer who, for sure. Who was, it? was it Dexter that was was it Dexter that was talking about the horses? Didn't he go to some equest yeah. equestrian? Yeah, 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 yeah. He, Run, he, he know, loved it. He talked yeah, positively right. about it. Why aren't we trying to prescribe people um things like that? Instead, we're we're giving them more medications to confuse them, to make them feel shitty, to make them feel sloppy, giving them over dosages, under dosages, you know, when a lot of times simple horse therapy. <laughs> Um, sensory issue therapy, but we will never do that because pharmaceuticals get richer and, and you get true. more insurance money. And, and that's why I say that the CIT and the crisis intervention is a check the block. It's worthless. It's useless. Um, I, I do see potential in it. I think the thought is there. It's very poorly executed across the nation. Everybody that I meet that work in CIT, they do nothing but defend CIT. And that's the problem because they're only trying to defend their job. They're trying to defend why they should keep making money doing what they're doing, even though All what the they're money. doing does not work. And yeah, I like those people, and I think that they have good intent. But what you're doing is not helping anyone. Yeah. What what you're doing is is powerpoints, death by powerpoints. People, we know that these powerpoints people, aren't working, but we still keep fucking doing it. And and those cops are aren't getting used. any better. They're being I, used. I, I, they have good intentions, but they're being used by absolutely by they're being used governments yeah. and, and bureaucracies by feeding them because, the money so they can do their good thing, and they don't give two shits about yeah, what they the need asses. outcome is. They need uh, asses 100%. in the seats. They need asses in the beds. Right. That's, that's, why, they, they, that's why they preach to you in these CIT classes about yeah. you know 
and you're having to fill out all these surveys in jail is like, could this be mental health? Well, yeah, but everything is fucking mental health. Like, if I have a mental breakdown right now because of this show and I go home and I beat the shit out of my wife, like, is that not a mental health issue? So do, do I automatically, because I couldn't take the pressures of today's show that I chose to come on and do, and, and no. I chose to go home and beat the shit out of my wife, like, does that mean that I should get, like, not have to go to prison, not go to jail? Because that's exactly what we do, right? We go to jail. And, and, and depending on what kind of cop you are, if you're one of these soft-handed cops, you can be like, well, this guy beat his wife's ass because, you know, he told me he had a mental breakdown and that the stress of the show. And so this is mental health. And so then you send me to a CIT place and the CIT goes, yeah, we're going to put you on this X and XX medication and, um, and you're going to go to anger management for six days a week. Well, okay. So do you think my wife and my kids that I've just fucked up their <laughs> entire lives, you think that that's going to sit well with them? You think that's going to make my wife less afraid that the trauma doesn't, you know what I mean? Or would me going to jail for three years be better off for my family? I think it would be better off for my family for me to go to jail for three years. It's less trauma on my child. My child knows that if you lay your hands on a woman and you beat her face and that you're going to go to jail for three years. So I'm not going to make that same mistake. But if you come no. back into that child's life and, and, and that child sees you and is raised by you, is nurtured with you, and he didn't see that you had any repercussions for beating him. What do you think that little kid does when he gets a, a girlfriend that right. he doesn't the, like? The cycle, yeah, the cycle repeats. The cycle itself. continues. I mean, he doesn't does, lose lessons. I, I do. That cycle is going to continue forever. If if your position is, let's just send him to jail for three years. Let's let's disconnect him. You don't get that person any treatment or help. Without you know what's dealing... going to happen? He's going to come out in three years. He's going to beat somebody else. Now he's going to the same dude. another person. It's the same shit. So I, I agree with you. There needs he's to be gonna a murder stick some and a carrot. Mother. There needs yeah, to be a he, stick and a carrot, but that stick doesn't have to be the only thing, and, and that's it. There's got to be a consequence. There's got to be a consequence. I'm not saying those consequences are like, okay, so you know, I, I break mentally and I snap and I go and I fucking beat my wife's ass. And so they say, listen, you're gonna go, you're you're gonna you're gonna be exiled from your family for three years. You're gonna go to this institution or whatever but here we're going to work on you we're going to we're going to let you join brazilian jiu-jitsu we're going to teach you brazilian jiu-jitsu because you know everybody says that like nobody that does brazilian jiu-jitsu goes out and picks a fight with anybody else because they get humbled very quickly and that's 100 percent true you know i got humbled by mike the cop um uh, and several other people in my life uh, this guy named twitty and you know i i, I know that i'm a pussy i, I know that i'm not gonna go beat so i don't fuck around with people i don't i don't tr i don't go pick fights at bars i don't go and get drunk out on the streets and try to find fights i, I avoid fights at all costs because i know that I'm, I'm probably gonna get my ass beat because i've had my ass whooped a few times and but like what i'm saying is if you're prescribing people things um, that they need if Mr. Neely would have been prescribed dance classes and the state would have afforded him a chance to go and really follow his dreams. Right. That's a leftist view. That's a very leftist view, but it's a view that I could get on board with. I think this yeah, kid would have had a much better life if he would have been if, if somebody would have told him, hey, man, you're being a real piece of shit and that's going nowhere. But listen, you go to this outpatient program where you're going to learn how to dance from professionals at this school. And all you got to do is dance five days a week. You know how tired he would be after he would be dancing? You know how thirsty he would be for water and not beer after dancing all day? Do you know, do you, you know what I mean? Um, do you know how happy he would be so that he doesn't need the drugs? Just saying you got a better chance at giving this guy some success if we prescribe him something useful instead of just some kind of pharmaceutical check the block PowerPoint bullshit. That, that they're not going to like the way it makes them feel for whatever reason. Maybe their dick's not working or whatever and they quit whatever. taking it. And that they're not supposed to. Right. Uh, Nobody's look, dick I, doesn't work when they're not dance when they're dancing. I, Nobody I just, in the history the of flash dance. Look at the girl in flash dance, man. It kept her off. My the dick gets hard thinking about dancing. Jennifer Beale. Right. I, I just yeah. God rest her soul. I just want to say, um, I, I, I let me address this one thing about force here because you, we got a comment here that just basically says, "Look, on the street, Drew, a fight is for your life," and 
if uh, people are stomp on your head when you're if people are going to stomp on your head when you're down. L- let me just show myself as an example. I've been in more than one fight on the street, and I'm alive, and the person I fought is still alive. So it's it's not a fight to the death. That that's that's a fallacy. You you can't say that every single fight that you're engaged in is a fight to the death. That's, I'm not fighting anybody. That's wrong. Because literally, I'm not. I'm just not going to fight anybody. And, and if I end up in a fight, it's because you have absolutely forced your way into my personal space and mm-hmm. i had no yeah. i had no other way but listen i'm the kind of guy that can retreat real fast i can just fucking go away like you start mouthing off to me i don't even mouth back the only t- closest i've gotten into a fight was when a a, a, a gentleman um cursed at my four-year-old at the skate park and told my 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 four-year-old to get the fuck out of his way and you know what he wanted to fight me when i addressed him and i didn't want to fight him and i said look i'm not gonna fight you i said i'm not gonna fight you i'm just asking you do you think it's reasonable and then i said hey young man you come over here hey young man can you come over here and these are like 30 year old dudes 25 year old dudes i said listen to me before this guy goes and throws down with me here at this this skate park i want somebody to let me know is it reasonable in any situation to look at a four-year-old child and tell him quote get the fuck out of my way. Is there any, is there any time that that is reasonable? And all the kids started laughing because they're tw- in their twenties and they say, yo, homie, did you tell this kid to get the fuck away? And I was like, look, man, like, I'm not going to fight you, but there's a way to handle this. Like an adult. And you could have said, Hey, move my kid over there. So listen, I'm going to give you an opportunity to act like an adult here. Like, let's have an adult conversation. Where would you like my four-year-old to skate at a skate park? That is for adults and children. It's not like this is like adult skate hour or adult swim hour at the pool. It's open to everybody. And I would argue with you, sir. I said these exact words. I said, I would argue with you, sir, that it's probably more for kids than it is for guys like you. But listen, show me a spot that you're not fucking around with right now, and I'll send him over there. The dude stared at me like he still wanted to fight. And I said, just tell me, and I'll walk away. Or you can assault me and punch me and then run from the cops and probably get trespassed. Or you can literally just look me right in the eyes like a man and tell me where you want my kid to go skate. We stared at each other for a second. He said, over there. I'm not going to be over there. Take him over there. I said, see how easy that was, man? I'm going to take him over there right now. And if you ever have a problem did, with any of my children, come and talk to me. I'm more than happy to look at Did you ask I, the guy I, when his Olympic tryout was? <laughs> this dude's a piece of shit. This guy, he, he just got picked up for sexual assault. I'm, I'm very familiar with uh, your four-year-old. Your four-year-old actually taught me my ABCs while you were in the store that one time. And uh, I got to be honest, uh, forget everything I've said in the show. I think I would have choked the guy out if he said that to your four-year-old. Actually, another guy came over to me, uh, and I'm actually friends with this guy now. And the guy said, hey, man. Jesus Christ, I literally was looking around. Once I heard him yell at your kid, I was like, where's the father at? Because I was going to come and beat this guy's ass. And come to find out this dude is like black belt, owns a Brazilian jiu-jitsu, or like co-owns or manages or something, or is an instructor. I don't know. And the guy's filthy rich too. But I only went to his house for dinner once. And uh, he invited me for dinner after this. But he said like I'd handled it like extremely well. And he was like, I can't believe like that was the greatest display of shaming I've ever seen. Like you publicly shamed that guy <laughs> with your words. And I was like, I was a cop. Dude. Like That's what I do. Yeah. He was like, I was going to just go and beat the fuck out of that guy. I was going to go beat his fucking, I was going to go beat the brakes off of him. And he was like, and you just completely play. He's like, when you call those other guys in and all those other guys came over, like they wanted to fight you. And then you said, is it reasonable? He's like, everybody just kind of clowned on that guy. It was great. He's like, I wish I had videotapes of it. I said, yeah, listen, man, um, I don't want to beat this to death. I don't want to beat Jordan Neely's. You don't want to choke it out? At the end of the day, um, I think that if Jordan Neely's mother wouldn't have been murdered, um, that this would not have happened. Um, and so we could look back at that in society. And the guy that murdered his mother, 
got sentenced to 30 years. Um, I think that's hard to explain to a teenager. If you murder my mother, I want you to go to, to go to jail for life. If you stuff my mother into the trunk of a suitcase, I want you to be executed. I think it's very hard for this boy to, to uh, this little boy, this teenage boy to imagine that his mother was stuffed in a suitcase and the cunt yeah. that did it only got 30 years. I'm telling you right now, I would choose the dark side. I would be Jordan Neely. Fuck the world. Choke me to death, bitch. Choke me the fuck out. Because I would not be able to conceive that. I wouldn't be able to conceive it. And so I do empathize with Mr. Neely in this situation. But at the same time, uh, I have to empathize with Mr. Penny as well. And that he was he was a hero. He was born a hero. He was bred to be a hero by the Marines. He was indoctrinated, whatever, educated, however you want to put it, to be a hero, to be the man that when everybody else is scared to stand up for an oppressor, and Mr. Neely was being an oppressor on that on that train, when somebody is oppressed, that I I am the one. Send me. I'm the one that can protect you. And that's 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 the way he was. And so Jordan Neely wanted wanted to leave this earth, I think, or you know, at least I would have wanted to leave this earth. I wouldn't want to be around. Um you know, with, with a life that Mr. Neely had, sadly. And Mr. Pen Penny was the way he was. So I think at the end of the day, um, I think this is just a shitty, shitty thing that happened. And I think right now that uh, Daniel Penny is only being charged with choking a black man. That's it. If this was a white guy, uh, th there would not be an issue here. Um, mm. And that's, uh, that's racist in itself. And I don't think that yeah. helped the situation. That doesn't fix mental either. illness. Nothing that the mainstream media is providing society is a solution to the real problem. It's race baiting. It's, it's hate perpetuating baiting. It. It's perpetuating. It makes cops angry and they say angry things. It makes other people in mainstream media that are hard right wing conservatives. It makes them say mean things that, that make other people mad. It makes the leftists say ridiculous shit like we heard on the, on the train. And that makes people mad. And at the end of the day, nobody wants to empathize with either one of these guys and look at the totality of the picture, which is why I love failure to stop, which is why right. I love you, Drew Breezy, which is why I love the whole program. Um, because we're willing to go where other people aren't. And we're not about making you angry we're not about feeding your emotions or making you pick a side i don't want you to leave here today and go vote conservative and i don't want you to go vote democrat but what i want you to do is really think hard about what can we do for people who are suffering from mental health and how can we really fix the problem and not add more to it very good i, I, th I, I think my, that's my, great. my final take on this is I, I don't i honestly in my heart of hearts don't think he meant to kill anybody but he did so here we are and, and you're gonna have to pay for it at the end of the day if we'd all slept on a ghost bed this wouldn't have happened right now if you yes. go fillerstop.com forward slash wolfpack it'll take you right to the ghost bed site and you can get a good night's sleep unfortunately if jordan neely's you know going back to to the boyfriend that murdered his mother had that guy slept on a ghost bed maybe he wouldn't have been so angry to kill his mother i don't know maybe if daniel penny was sleeping on a ghost bed he would have overslept and not been on that plane i mean on that train uh, I say this with every officer thing. It's we all just need more sleep. We need better sleep. Uh, if you're going to fix your mental health, if you're going to fix mental illness, getting a good night's rest is, is imperative. It's paramount. It's step number one. And GhostBed offers sleep. Um, it's good American sleep because these are beds that are made in the good old USA. USA. Yes, USA. USA. Uh, by USA. the way, right now, USA. Right now, uh, that was too toxic. Um, right now, they are offering 30%, 35% off of all of the mattresses, plus you get two luxury pillows. I can, I, they didn't have that deal when I got my ghost bed. I ended up buying my second ghost bed pillow this week. My wife bought it for me as a gift. She's so sweet. And that's because I was <laughs> st stealing her pillow. She's pregnant, so she needs two ghost bed pillows um, with her fifth child. So um, I kept 
fighting her for the other ghost bed pillow. So she just went and bought me one. Mother's Day is coming up. It's not too late to get your mother and your mommy something from ghost bed. Um, even if it's just that pillow or it's that topper, that cooling mattress, so that even when you get hot right here in good old North Kakalaki, I don't know if you get too hot in Cincinnati, Ohio, Rob, but uh, that those cooling technology, those cooling sheets, those cooling pillows, and when you hit the bed, it is lights out. Right now, I'm looking at 50% off of a Ghost Bed Lux, 35% off the Ghost Bed Flex, and the Ghost Bed Classic. I'm pissed. I didn't get 50% off of my Ghost Bed Lux. They've got the adjustable base, which turns that bad boy almost into a uh, chair. Listen, my Ghost Bed is like, uh, what's that little sex thing? The wedge, where you can bang your significant <laughs> other uh, in all sorts of directions. I'm serious. Like The Ghost Bed, like, do you know how many sexual... Uh, fantasies or conquests that you can conquer with the ghost bed. There are positions that you never even thought of. You check that thing up almost into it's a couch, but then the bottom legs go down. She gets in this wackadoodle position. Her butt's right out. If you've got, if you've got a significant other with a ass like my beautiful wife, I'm telling you right now, dude, there ain't no erectile dysfunction when she's in that position. Um, I am harder than the rock uh after his uh third cycle of, of roids for the year i don't know uh but i am hard as fuck i'm not saying that the rock does roids i don't know if he does or he doesn't um doesn't look natural but um uh, right now man 50 percent off of bundles you can bundle it all together so if you want it all i want it all i want it all i want it all and i want, I want it now, now. Like uh, their ghost bed, like the adjustable base. Get it all right now. That's uh, 0% down, 0% financing. And that's if you have one more and I'm out of here podcast credit. Because we know those guys are struggling financially on that show. Um, <laughs> just kidding. 100%. Uh, take a sip, bitch. And, uh, but listen, guys, thank you for GhostBed. Um, Manscaped.com right now, guys. Uh, they've got a promo going for Mother's Day. Um, and you'll hear some more ad reads throughout the week from Manscaped. Uh, because they're back on, boys and girls. Listen, it's important because these people support law enforcement. They support veterans. They support first responders. When everybody else is bailing on 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 outside news sources like ourselves uh like breaking points and all these other these things when when all these advertisers are fleeing free thinkers or you know people who question these narratives and things like that it's really important to pay attention uh to people who are um not giving up not giving in when companies are willing to go in stamps.com for an example, I mean, they had a great one year deal with us right now. And that's why you hear them at the beginning of our show and it's pre-recorded and that's what they wanted. Um, but I'll go the extra mile and just say that like Sam's.com, listen, listen, they, almost every show they, they've got an ad running out and that affords us the new studio. It affords us our Patreon account. It affords us the new microphones and, and guests like Rob and, and meetups and things like that. So, um, we thank you so much, stamps.com, Manscaped. Uh, Red is in the chats right now. And uh, listen, guys, if you haven't joined their Patreon um, and our, or our paid YouTube, coming this week as we move into the new studio on Sunday, I don't know if it'll be Monday night, Tuesday night, or Wednesday night, but I am going to read a chapter of my book live for the paid YouTube members and live for Patreon. Um, the book has not yet been published. It's still in the hands of Simon Schuster right now and uh, working out a deal there. Um, but I will read a story about Red. She's in the chats right now. You can see her. She is in the book a lot. She's probably the most mentioned in the book. I, I hope that I've embarrassed her. That was my goal when I wrote the book was how do I shame Red publicly in a way that I can't be sued? Um, and so uh, I met with lots of lawyers and I really went there for her. So 
Um, I, that, that is the purpose of the book. It's not to bridge the gap of police and society and culture. It's really to publicly shame red in any way, shape or form because fuck her and everything that she stands for in this world. Uh, Abby Ellsworth from on being a police officer. Thank you for everybody for being in the chat. Sarah Kay. She's back with us. She's not dead. Um, we got TJR, uh, Falconator, Tactical Dude, Will Cray, Brian W. Corn Pop was a bad dude. We got some new paid members in the chats. Michael August is in here. Meat Potato. Um, all you guys, Michael August. Uh, thank you guys so much for everything that you guys do. And I hope that um, you have a good week. And uh, don't be part of the problem. Be part of the solution. And until next time, boys and girls, we'll see you guys Saturday for Com Center. That that audio gets released for Com Center. Bang on an episode yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, the Patreon special of me reading parts of the book are coming out uh, this week. Of course, lots of other stuff. And uh, we'll be back Monday with uh, Jay Durrell for Uncuffed. Until next time, Happy boys Mother's and girls. Happy Mother's Day, guys. Happy Mother's yeah. Day, Rob. Uh, Rob, do you have a mom? Yes, he does. So. She's still alive. <laughs> I know for a fact. I'm bringing my mom on Sunday. Special Mother's Day edition. Of oh, that's true. Do you, have a, do you have a living do. mother? You do I have do a have mother? a living mother. Bro, yes. let me get on Patreon with her. Um, just me and her. She just keep her out of the ghost bed. Jesus, I'm gonna <laughs> to say a, no. 